Episode 59. This is public television. WNPE in Watertown and WNPI in Norway. Today's programming on Channel 11 is made possible in part by Thompson Vacations. Thompson takes the care. You're free to enjoy yourself. I find their illogic and foolish emotions a constant irritant. Then transfer out, freak! I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass, and I'm all out of bubblegum. Cheap lying, no good, rotten, fourth blessing, low life, snake licking, dirty, eating, inbred, overstuffed, ignorant, blood sucking, dog kissing, brainless, dickless, hopeless, heartless, fat ass, bug eyed, stiff legged, spotty legged. And now, together by live simulation via the internet, Scott Gardner and Chris Honeywell. Blah, blah, blah. Hello and welcome back to Two True Freaks. I'm your co-freak, Scott Gardner, and with me as always is my co-freak, Chris Honeywell. Say hi, Chris. Hey, how you doing? Hey, excellent, excellent. And joining us once again by listener demand, absolute demand, our very first, our favorite, our number one chum, Mark Buttrick. Say hi, Mark. Hi, everybody. For those that don't remember or didn't listen or whatever... Um, or don't Mark, care. Or don't care, yeah, I guess. God, that's sad, isn't it? You really <laughs> should care. Um, Mark is uh, not only our resident uh, Disney, uh, uh, what would you say, expert uh, slash... Uh, um, connection. Uh, yeah, connection. There you go. I like that. The Disney connection. Kind of like the French connection, but the Disney connection. Mark is also a certified soundtrack expert. He knows more about soundtracks than... Uh, uh, I don't know, somebody. Then the colonel knows about chicken plucking. There you go. Oh, I like that. I do I have like the that. certificate to prove it. He does have the certificate. Well, your certificate is your picture of you standing with uh, with John Williams. If if that's not a certificate of authenticity. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There, there you go. And what where was it you were? Uh, was it Italy you went and, and saw? Um, Any more? Oh, yes, God. I did see him in Italy, yes. See, those are those are creds right there. Those are credentials. Those are solid credentials. Well, anyway, briefly owing back to the soundtrack show that we did a while ago. And again, if you have not heard that show, please go back and give it a listen. I do still consider that our finest moment so far. That episode is just top notch. We we basically we ran down our five favorite uh, film scores. And we had a special tribute to Star Wars to kind of, you know, discuss Star Wars and then get it out of the way. And then we win our, our personal uh, favorites on that. Just a fantastic episode. Please give it a listen. So anyway, this is some of the feedback that we got on the forum to that episode. And I just wanted to cover um, just some of my uh, my favorite ones and some of the ones that uh, really asked specific questions. Just to give Mark a, a chance to respond to some of these and, and just get his thoughts on them. Anyway, our, ver- our first one here is from Mobile Home on the forum. 
He says, hats off to you guys for choosing a topic I've not heard discussed among the geek cast. I can honestly say I, I've never known anyone who's been an avid fan of movie soundtracks, myself included. The crowd I run with wouldn't know a film score from a bowling score, yet here you have three guys rattling off names like Herman, Goldsmith, Williams, and Schifrin. It's good to see these masterful creators get the attention they deserve. Well done. Also, I'm curious, what do you consider some of the outstanding scores of this past year? What's the matter? Well, was Mark just saying in our private conversation <laughs> that there weren't really too many good soundtracks uh, in uh, the last year? Okay. That's true. That's true. He did. Any any in particular that you that you want to shout out or anything though, Mark? Anything come to well, mind? Let's see. Um, our our um, the incredible John Williams, who just won his I think twenty second, twenty first Grammy Award, which is more than anybody else ever. Uh, one for uh, best instrumental theme for Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, and before awesome. everybody groans, um, you know that was one of those movies that I was disappointed in and the score too at first. But I think it was because I had such high expectations of that m- movie and of the score. Um, but when I after I saw the movie the first time and I went back and saw it a second time, you know it was definitely a lot better the second time. And the music has really grown on me as well. And of course it's John Williams and it's the first John Williams score in like five years. Um, so, and his theme for Mutt was really, really good. So I really enjoyed that. I also thought that the score for The Dark Knight is exactly the way I felt about the score for Batman Begins. And that is when you're watching the movie, the score is great. It adds another dimension to that movie. It does exactly what a film score should do. But when you listen to it on its own, it's just too backgroundish. It doesn't, you know, you, Amen, you don't. You don't want to just listen to it in your car or hum along to it. So as a standalone, it doesn't do much for me. But if you really watch that film, the music does what it's supposed to do, and it does a great job enhancing that movie. So you know, I do give them credit for that because, of course, that's what they're paid for, not to have a, sa- a selling soundtrack. I know that James Horner did a new movie this year, and uh, he's one of the, the old greats, and he did The Boy in the Striped Pajamas, which got – panned across the board. I haven't seen it and I haven't heard the music from it yet, but um, I'm interested. That's what I'm interested in hearing to see how how he did. And if you want to get on my soapbox, we can talk about the Academy Awards and the scores that were nominated and, of no, course, Slumdog Millionaire. I, I think that uh, I, I've made my personal disdain for the Academy Awards well known, and I'm not going to plug them here. Screw I, the Academy Awards. <laughs> well, who's, plug, who's plugging them? That's exactly. My point. I, exactly. It didn't sound like you were uh, winding up to uh, be the. Well, what about like you know? What's funny is I actually I just downloaded the Slumdog Millionaire, Millionaire by A.R. Rachman. Well, I just did a recent five-minute freak about. How I I've I've been a fan of Danny Boyle's movies, and and it kind of ticks me off that that Slumdog Millionaire, which I watched and and admittedly is a really good movie. I really enjoyed it, but I don't think it was his best movie. But he really got you know he just gets you know this is a, he got best picture for it, and and it's a movie that's so tailored to being an Oscar winning movie. It's sort of like when Gus Van Zant did Goodwill Hunting. Um, mm-hmm. It's just a very it's uh, and 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 not to belittle it as a movie because I found the movie very enta- entertaining and engaging, but compared to like his last um, Twenty Eight Days Later and um, 
Uh, more recently, Sunshine. You know, I, I thought both of those could have. Uh, you know, I really like Twenty Eight Days Later. I agree. But um, I downloaded. I, I really liked the soundtrack. I thought the music worked really good in the movie. For I thought the the music for Some Dog Millionaire really propelled the movie forward. Yeah, I, I, there, there was one song in particular that was just a catchy song that I wanted to hear. That's why I downloaded it and I wanted to use it as background music, also. But uh, I found myself enjoying. The, you know, I mean, it's not really score music. It's sort of a collection of of songs. But uh, but in the context of the movie, I thought it really drove the movie forward and kept a kept an energy to it. Certain Please do me a favor and don't talk to my wife about this game, about this uh, movie, because once again, you know, like the the ads came on TV for the Watchmen, and I got all all psyched, and I was like, "Hey, you want to go see that with me?" And she's like, Bleh. And then that five minutes later, she's like, "But you can take me to go see that Slumdog movie." And I'm it's like, "Good." <laughs> Chris, you did jog my memory though when you were talking about um, Gus Van Sant. Oh, no, Van Gus Van Sant. Uh, what uh, what is it? Goodwill Hunting, Danny Elfman. Um, I actually was was actually pretty impressed with Hellboy Two. The score for Hellboy Two, I thought that was really good. Oh, I haven't seen that yet. I saw Hellboy One when it first came out, and I sort of wanted to watch it again before I saw Hellboy Two. And I haven't got the score to. Both of them? No, no. Um, was it Marco Beltrami? I think did the first one. Oh. Um, He's very hit and miss to me. Sometimes I really like him, but I got the uh... what Marco or Danny. Uh, Beltrami. Um, Beltrami, yeah. Well, actually, lately, so is uh, so is uh, Elfman, for that matter. But yeah, Beltrami, I got the one for um, Max Payne, and wow, yeah. you talk about your background. I mean, that's another one of those that works very well in the film, but you take it out of the film, and it's a snoozer, man. It's it's very boring. There's just nothing thematic or exciting about it. It's it's strictly background and uh, not not a very listenable soundtrack so what's the next question yeah we need to move these along oh, that's we, right. got, we got uh, questions that's right yes <laughs> <laughs> we got a uh, mike in ontario which correct me if i'm wrong chris is that's this our, our friend, friend mike, mike yes that's I mike thought, cross okay mike writes hey boys and i take exception to being called a boy uh he says i gotta say as someone who has tuned in for every episode thank you so much mike this is one of the best to date. You guys are really hitting your stride, and the banter is becoming more seamless, and you're sounding very relaxed. That's because I'm half in the bag. My favorite soundtrack, uh, the only one I own, is A Bridge Too Far by John Addison. Uh, are you familiar with this one, Mark? Uh, I'm familiar with John Addison. I'm holding it in my okay. hand right now. Mike Cross, oh. Mike Cross dropped it off at my house today. For me to John Addison, to. I think, either got nominated or won the Academy Award for Torn Curtain. That was his big claim to fame. And oddly enough, to segue this into what we're talking about tonight, one of my um, favorite pieces of uh, television music is by John Addison. Oh, okay. You have to so point that out when we get to it. That's coming up. Um, he says, Scott... Don't he says away. that one will not only tickle your patriotic bone, which is a that's a reference back to when I was talking about uh, one of my favorites was uh, the right stuff and how that really hit my patriotic mm. bone. He says it will cause potentially permanent patriotic priapism. I'm sorry, I don't know what this word is. Priapism. It is priapism. What the hell is priapism? It's similar to the effect that you would get from Viagra. Oh, awesome! And actually, uh, I was wrong. He didn't do torn curtain. It was. Um, 
Tom Jones. That was his big claim to fame. The movie Tom Jones was John Addison. Oh, oh the, uh, it's Tom not jo- unusual, Tom no, Jones. That's that's the you're thinking you're thinking the person, not the movie. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, the overture alone is enough to make me want to build a time machine so I can go. <laughs> I can kill Nazis. <laughs> the one track called Airlift should become the new theme to the USAF. Well, I, I agree as uh, as a USAF veteran that they definitely need a new theme song. Um, for a pacifist, is, I sure love martial music. He says. It's funny because uh, you're talking about patriotic. Um, actually, I want to hear. I want to listen to the score because I do like John Addison, so I, I like to hear that. Um, but he's actually British. He's a British composer. Oh, awesome. says, uh, it cracked me up when you're talking about holding a cheapo cassette player up to your TV to record stuff. He says, I did that when a bridge, bridge too far ran on HBO. Um, Mobile Home, again, he posted again saying, uh, I taped Strange Brew and Eddie and the Cruisers off the TV with a Walkman and a handheld mic. <laughs> oh, Strange man. Brew. So I can't believe others came up with the same idea. You know, we've got a lot of feedback on that. A lot of people did that's, that. that's all you could do. That's the only yeah, resource. That's, that's the that only the... way you had to do it. So that was yeah. good enough, you know. And you just... Well, for us Doctor Who fans out there, we, we thank people for doing that because the only way oh, yeah. that we can even listen to some of those old TV shows is by people that recorded off-air recordings from their TV set. Really? Yeah. I've they, they, uh, that. That's cool. Oh, they wiped the, uh, the, the original 1960s episodes, got thrown away. They thought that they had done their usefulness. Oh. And uh, so, like, I don't know, 100 episodes have uh, completely disappeared forever. Hopefully not, but supposedly and uh, luckily, there's some ardent fans out there that um, had re- put tape recorders up to their TV set, recorded the uh, the uh, soundtrack, and now they're being released on uh, CD, having been all cleaned up. And they've hired an actor from the show to come in and do linking narration, so it's, it plays like a radio broadcast now. Oh, that's a great idea. Oh, that's a yep. great idea. Wow. Um, he asks, uh, as a last question here, he asks, anyone else have their mom yelling at them on their recordings? Actually, I... I do sort of if you remember uh-huh. uh, there was a special that was on with Mark Hamill for Empire it was called the Empire uh, SPFX the Empire Strikes Back it was like a making of the effects for Empire at the very beginning of it you can hear my mother very clearly saying I told you I didn't watch you, want you watching that garbage anyway right at the beginning of it uh-huh. I remember but, uh, we used to listen to that over and over and just crack up when we were kids just play yep. that over and over I had one of when I taped um, A Clockwork Orange off HBO at my grandfather's house, about 10 minutes in, you can hear, you could, well, I wish I had the tape, but you could hear my grandfather say, hey, wait a minute, this ain't no Agent Orange. Because he thought it was a, do- you know, that was the only reason he was going to let me watch it. He thought it was a documentary on Agent Orange or something. And he was very shocked at what it actually was when it got going. But I guess after 10 minutes, he felt it was too late to, to make me shut it off or anything. So I got to watch the whole thing. <laughs> I like this next one because it's actually taking us to task. And I like these kind of uh, responses. This one is from uh, Rocket2600, um, who I don't know who this person is. I haven't really seen a whole lot of posts from them, but I like this post. He says, heavy metal. How could you forget this one? It has a soundtrack CD for both the score and the rock and roll soundtracks. I had the album, cassette, then CD long before they released uh, this onto VHS and finally DVD. It says, maybe not the greatest, but should have got an honorable mention. And I think somebody else said the same thing about heavy metal. Isn't that Elmer Bernstein? 
I think so. It very well may be. Yeah, I'm not familiar with it myself. I'm not even sure I've ever seen the movie. Are, I've are had you guys see, I haven't. Oh, I've seen the I movie haven't a either. bunch of times. I've seen the, the movie is a combination. The the the, the animation is a little on the cheap, but it's still, mm-hmm. you know, it's nicer than Saturday morning. But um, and you know, I mean, it was a, it has new, it features nudity and swearing, and there's like one. Episode. The first episode, I believe, is like a Richard Corbin comic brought to life, right. and uh, it's 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 good. I mean, the, the real the real standout music in it is the the rock and roll, which oddly enough, in the soundtrack of when you're actually watching the movie, every version of it I've seen, I've seen the DVD, ver, you know, one of the newer DVD versions, and it's really kind of muted and muffled sounding. So right. I think they, when they mastered the two, I, and I don't, for the life of me, know why it wouldn't be very easy for them to fix that, you know, to just put a nice, clean track of the music in. But the the rock music sounds very tinny and uh, and muted over the, but some of the rock music's really good. It's got um, probably the only Sammy Hagar song I ever liked on it. It's got uh, the best Ronnie James Dio Black Sabbath song called uh, Mob Rules. Ronnie James Dio, a local Carthage boy. Scott's in my hometown. And uh, heavy metal, you know, a typical heavy metal buffoon. But I love that song. And it has Devo working in the coal mine. (laughs) He says, uh, also on this, he says, uh, I I also wanted to say this was a great episode. I loved all your selections. Superman's theme by John Williams is my all-time favorite. Seeing that movie at seven, I'm presuming you mean seven years old, uh, and that musical opening, just wow. Star Wars is and will always be a classic musically. I prefer Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back myself as I played the hell out of my album. The Asteroid Field is my favorite track on that one. Just brings back the imagery of Solo flying the Falcon with the TIE Fighters giving chase. Good uh-huh. times at the theater. Says, can't wait till you pull together a TV themes episode. I'll tip up two favorites now, Airwolf and the A-Team. Two seconds either into either one of them and you knew what time it was. <laughs> um, then we got one from Biblio Mike on the forum. It says, guys... I know I'm late to this particular party, but thanks for this fantastic episode and the fascinating topic. Uh, I don't have any formal training in music appreciation, but I've always loved film scores, and it's great to hear people who share that same interest. Uh, I thought all your choices were great ones, although I probably would have gone with Henry V over Much Ado. Now, that's just just at you, Mark. What do you think of that? I love Henry V. Well, Henry V was Patrick Doyle's first film score, and, you know, it's close. I I agree that Henry V is a great score. Uh, I only went with Much Ado, and it's probably more of just a personal taste because the movie is um, is just a little bit better for me, and so the music also feels better for me. Also, Patrick Doyle, who uh, is the composer for both those films, he plays a much bigger role as an actor in Much Ado, he actually has a guest appearance in Henry V, but he also plays the main role of Balthazar, which is the guy that sings in the movie uh, in Much Ado. And just the scenery in that movie, it's just an incredible film, and the music just takes it to new heights. So, you know, I, I, hats off to you. I agree. Henry V is probably my second best Patrick Doyle score with a really close, you know, close to Much Ado. So, yeah, I, I agree. 
He says, uh, I'd love to see you come back to film scores at some point. Maybe an annual best of movie music episode, which I like that idea. I think yeah. that's a very good idea. Um, he says, uh, oh, I got so caught up in uh, thanking you for doing the episode, I forgot to put a good word in for my favorite James Horner score, Field of Dreams. Now, he shamed me with this because I don't think I mentioned Field of Dreams in that episode. Love Field of Dreams. Uh, Just an awesome James Horner score, and I can't believe that I I didn't give it a shout-out in that episode. But is Field of Dreams... Is it a movie, though, where the whole movie is a great score, or does it just have a great theme that's used? No, I think the whole times? score is good. I, I because it does have whole... a great theme, absolutely. Yeah, no, I enjoy that whole one. It, it takes me back to Cocoon the Return, which the first Cocoon movie, the movie was better, but I don't think the score was as good as Cocoon the Return had a little bit more of that. Like, I, I would say that if, if you put on, say, Cocoon the Return, Batteries Not Included and Field of Dreams all playing, you know, back to back to back on like your iPod or something. That's like a great James Horner trifecta. They're just, they're very complimentary scores in sort of the same style. And I, I really enjoy all three of those by him. And I don't think I, I mentioned any of them in that episode. But he goes on to say um, it's a very lush, or it's very lush and lyrical. Oh, weaving in some nice period flavor. The music when the ball players are first practicing, for example, which was the track I was thinking of. Um, yeah, if you like that, that's part of that score, Biblio Mike. Go back and listen to um, Cocoon the Return and Batteries Not Included. They, they have more of that same kind of flavor from James Horner. I think I the opposite for me. I actually like the original Cocoon better than Cocoon Returns only because – uh, I'm not a big jazz fan, and it is a lot more jazzier. Yeah, that, that's why I like it. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, two different two different takes on the same thing. That's funny. He says uh, perfectly captures uh, the feeling I had watching the movie for the very first time. Even though I don't like baseball very much, well, that's me. I'm not a sports person at yeah, all, but I do too. love that movie. I thought it was a great just, movie too. Oh yeah, it's it's good. It's one of the one of those movies that can bring a tear to my eye every time I watch it. Um, he says, I also liked Horner's Titanic score well enough, um, but not as much as Field. He says, his two Trek scores, of course, go without saying. I wish he'd done Star Trek Four. Leonard Rosamond's score is serviceable but, and has a nice, uh, few nice moments. I think I'm the only person on Earth who enjoyed Ballad of the Whale. But it's pre- pretty pedestrian, save for... Save for the quote of Courage's original fanfare at the end as the 1701A is revealed. Brother, you speak in my language. Um, that is my least favorite Trek movie and definitely my least favorite score. Um, and it's the one score that gets the Academy Award nomination. Yeah, I, yeah, I mentioned that on the forum. Isn't that ironic? It, it's so ironic uh, that, that that's the one that gets nominated. You know why? Because that was the Star Trek movie that, every, that, that the people who weren't Star Trek fans paid attention to. Yep, exactly. That's exactly it's, it's why the, it's the one that crossed over. It was the crossover movie that like became was a pop movie that people that didn't even really pay attention to Star Trek were going to see. Here was my favorite thing of his uh, of his uh, posting though. He says, "Thanks for taking the time to add in the music underscore to your conversation. <laughs> oh, you are so welcome, and thank you for saying that because that was a lot of work. I mean, Chris." 
Chris deserves all the applause on that. All I did, I went through and made notes of where to put things in, but Chris actually had to do all that editing, and that, now, now I'm sure that's a, a I'll, bitch of a job. And now, not, now, not to be, not to be humble or anything here, but yes, I did do a lot of the work. But don't belittle what what you did by by scoring the. You know, Scott didn't just say, "Hey, put this song here." Scott went through the songs, probably calculator by his side. You know, figuring out every minute to the minute and the second, sometime when a song would fade up and fade out into another song, and come in and come out and bring in another song. So he he completely, you know, had to had to figure all that out. And and for for mm-hmm. me for me it would and then and would send me a list of songs. And then at that part at that point for me it was assemblage. You know, it was it was cut and paste. So you you know don't. Don't belittle what you did. That was you. That was a I lot of work. It was a lot of work. It was a, it was a lot. Well, he says, uh, especially in the rapid fire AFI top twenty-five countdown at the end, that was the most work because Mark really rattled them off <laughs> in that segment. So some of those themes, like say, like Gone with the Wind, had literally like a two-second window where you had to figure out, or I had to figure out rather, what is the, the like the three most important notes in that theme that someone would realize what it was in those like two seconds. Well, it's a that testament a, to the composers that, was, that their themes were strong yeah. enough that you could just put yeah. a snippet in them and, and most people are going to yeah. recognize it. Now, yeah, not exactly. that most people would recognize it because we are naming it on top of it, but you know, right. it's very distinctive when it comes out. Gone with the Wind especially is very distinctive when it comes up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank God they are. Most of them were distinctive enough to where you got, you know, you, you had just enough time to get da-da-da-da, and then it would move on. But it was just enough that you knew what it was. And so I'm glad someone appreciated that because that, that was a lot of work. Yeah. Um, he, can say, he says, I can tell a lot of work, that it took a lot of work, but it made the episode all that much better. Great job, guys. Please do more like this one. Well, we're working on it. Um, I eagerly await the TV score episode. Really enjoying the show and really appreciate appreciate all the hard work. We appreciate the feedback. Last one I've got real quick, and I'm sorry, I do not know how to pronounce this name. It's E. It's uh, S M A U G. Is the smog? Smog. 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 Okay. You haven't been reading your Hobbit, man. Got to read okay. your Hobbit. <laughs> I don't read the Hobbit. It says, wow, great episode. This is the second episode I've heard from you guys. The first one was a Star Wars one. And while it was okay, this has been the episode that's hooked me to your podcast. Hey, as long as we hooked you, I don't care what episode it was. Uh, <laughs> it's obvious that you are very into the music uh, that you talked about and that you know your stuff. No, I'm just an excellent bullshit artist. Yeah, we sound like I think we know I- our stuff. <laughs> I think after hearing this, I'll pay more attention to the scores of the movies I'll watch. God, I love hearing that. Now, that's a good tribute. you got to stay yes. to the end credits. Yep, that's it. He says, I mean, I do like scores and try to pay attention, but never to the degree, to the degree that you guys do. Hey, I'm telling you, a good or bad score can make or break a movie to me. I mean, there's been a lot Absolutely. of movies that, you know, that, that – were exactly that they were oh, yeah. made or broken yeah, by I, the score i can i can name like if with uh, i i could probably name at least two or three spike lee movies <laughs> that like when i when when uh, that i was enjoying and when i stopped enjoying the movie and started not enjoying it it was usually the m- music that triggered it off there's some there's like at least two or three spike lee movies that could have been pretty good if maybe he, had, mm-hmm. he kept. He keeps employing his dad as a, as to score the films, and his dad not isn't bad, but he just 
doesn't write movie sound. He writes jazz music, and it never sounds right. It's weird. There, you know, there's it's a lot of movies. It's a lot of movies that I, I think would would jump so high on my personal criteria. You know, my my personal love or hate meter if they were scored differently. You know, scored uh-huh. by say someone else or just scored in a different style or whatever. But. Um, Wrapping this one up, he just says, uh, I liked that you explained the criteria you used to make your selections and that you made an effort to vary the composers and styles. Uh, I think that's mostly directed at Mark. Yeah. And thanks a lot for scoring the episode itself. It was great having the music playing so I I know what exactly you were talking about. I, I just I really appreciated people saying that because we got, we took a lot of criticism in early episodes for music that we put in. But this one here, I don't see how you could talk about music and not have the music in there. So I'm glad people appreciated it. We're, we're planning to do the same exact thing with this episode. Later tonight, yeah. And uh, yeah, on that subject, this is it for the uh, for the feedback. Let's take a quick break, and we'll come right back to our main topic, which is um, our top five favorite uh, TV themes. And uh, we'll be right back. Alert the troops! They're protecting Toothopolis with some new gel. They must be out of crest. Attack! We make holes and keep. Cavity creeps. New crest down. A new gel as tough as Crest? It's great tasting Crest gel with Floristack. You crazy repel by Crest gel. You'll love the flavor. Why you fight cavities with, with new Crest gel. Tastes great. Crest, Crest. Next, it's a very special Alice. I've taken a job as a hostess in a restaurant in Houston. When Flo says goodbye, the whole gang sends her off in style. Wait. Don't miss a touching, funny, and special Alice. Coming up next. Kiss my grand. Good evening from CBS News. This is Newsbreak. The U.S. turned a hockey puck into a gold medal today. The Ayatollah Khomeini has said the yet-to-be-elected Iranian parliament will decide what to do about the American hostages, and now the militants holding the hostages have endorsed that plan. How many cold tablets do you take a day? Four? Six? Six? Or take one contact instead. Clears your congestion all day. Contact. I'm Morton Dean, CBS News, New York. More news later on the CBS Sunday Night News on most of these. This is CBS. Oh, hello. Welcome to the Freak Museum. Why don't you come inside? Yes, watch your step. Yes, come this way. You'll notice to your left a perfectly preserved wild Waffledorfer beast. And over here, we have our newest acquisition. A rare example of the true freak. We've acquired two of them from different parts of the country, no less. Oh, don't worry. They're quite restrained well. Yes, we've sedated them with uh, Back to the Future 1 through 3. They've watched them 84 times, so they're quite harmless. Oh, no, 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 no. Don't get your fingers close to his mouth. He'll snap. Yes, just keep your distance and you're quite safe. But, wait, let me turn this music off. You think that's freaky, huh? Well, listen to this. Hey, we're back. And uh, now we're going to get into the meat and potatoes of our uh, show, our top five. 
I'll do exactly what I did last time, and I'll just um, we'll start at number five, work our way to number one. One of the things we discussed before the show is when we were thinking of our top favorite TV themes, uh, Scott and I like we're thinking of cartoon themes three to every one of our, our regular TV themes. So we decided to do cartoon themes as our own show altogether. So you'll notice there aren't any cartoon music on any of our lists. It's all pretty much live-action TV shows. Also, uh, a top five list of TV themes is just really not representative of really how mu- of how many of these are favorite songs. So we'll have a bunch more in here. So, you know, don't take it as uh, completely the law. All right, so um, we'll start with our special guest, Mark Bucktrick, and his number five song. Uh, again, mine are probably going to be very different from your guys, I would think. Um, you know, I, I in my head, I did think of two... I basically think of TV themes in two different categories. One is basically like a score, like just a theme, and then another one has lyrics to it. So I have to admit that looking at my list, I think my top ten uh, are all score-based with no lyrics to them. And really, the only criteria that I really had was... What did I remember? You know, when I think, when I sit in a room and think, what yep. theme songs come into my head? What what do I always go back and listen to? What um, what really made that show identified me with that show, and that kind of thing. So that was really the only kind of criteria that I went by. So um, number five for me, um, and you're going to find out some of mine are um, from overseas, from England. And uh, number five for me is from the Agatha Christie's Poirot TV series that's been played out here on PBS and A&E. Uh, it's a great theme, um, actually kind of jazzy, but um, it's, a, it's a really neat theme by Christopher Gunning. Um, and it's uh, Agatha Christie's Poirot. That's my number five. That is really interesting, and yes, that isn't on my list either. <laughs> but we'll get to me next because I'm next on That's the conference call. That's because you're an call. uncultured bastard, is why. It is not. <laughs> you take that back. You, I'll awesome. kick. I'll. <laughs> um, my number five is is very cultural and intelligent. It's Pee Wee's Playhouse. Oh. Which, um, I believe the main theme was was Danny Elfman wrote that main song, right? The, yep, that's right. The, Come in, please fill up a chair. That, that one. But I also like all the I like all the incidental music in there, which is by uh, mostly by Mark Mothersbaugh. Oh uh, yeah, Devo. And so all that little goofy synthesizer, all that synthesizer stuff sounds really. It's just really nice, comedic, goofy, fun. And it has more. And it has a lot of personality. It is sort of simple synthesizing, and that that main theme is just your perfect Saturday morning spazzy, sugared out on cereal theme song. It's, really, 
I was going to say, it's funny that you mentioned that because when I was researching um, different people's lists online just to kind of get my, my creative juices going, remind me of what was out there, that actually made quite a lot of people's lists. And I'm like, what? Pee-wee's Playhouse, really? So it's interesting that you say that because, again, that actually made quite a few different people's lists online. Danny, Danny Elfman, I'm not a big fan of like his full soundtrack. It kind, it kind of anno- his style kind of annoys me after a while. That's Saber Dance, which is a classical piece of music, but still a good try. No, but that's what I that's what I picture all of his music sort of having that feel to it. That piece you just did is the Breakfast Machine. That's one of his greatest pieces ever, man. <laughs> but you know, you know what I mean. But, 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 no, but, I don't it's know. From what the, you it's mean. from the Oingo Boingo days. You know, he's just got I, that little umpa to ever. You know, sometimes it's a, no. I, I know what you mean because I, I was playing that in the car one day, and and when we got home from wherever we had been, my wife said, "Please, please, don't ever play that circus music again." But, so. as, but as a jing, but as a jingle writer, or you know, or as a so, as just a, a short song or an intro, he, I I love I love his stuff like that you know I think you need to listen to his score for back to school because it's a real that I think that's what you're talking about well he I mean I don't think a lot of people realize just how much television Danny Elfman has done because I mean he's done you know I mean, he did Pee Wee's Playhouse. He did uh, the Beetlejuice show he did uh, Tales from the Crypt thank you Tales from the Crypt Batman the um, animated series Um, I mean the Simpsons. There uh, you go. The Simpsons. Who can forget the Simpsons? In my runners-up, Family Dog or something like that. I mean, a, a whole bunch he did, of them. He did a, Family Dog. One of my tops is is one of his, but we'll get to it later. Yeah, I mean that's good. St- I mean, he's obviously someone who went to music school, and you know, he's and knows his stuff and has got has is smart at being a good steady. He's just had steady work consistently you know he's kept himself busy and 
you know, not I, I, I'm, I'm not saying I don't like Danny Elfman's music. It's just sometimes it, it gets on my nerves. It's he sometimes his style is will overtake. Maybe not as much recently, but sometimes his style will will overtake the movie a little bit. You know, where it sounds too much like it's almost um, it's almost the same thing I get with um, oh, what's his name? That sort of Tin Pan Alley writer who write was writing every Disney song for a while. What, Alan Menken. He wrote Short People. Randy Newman. Oh, Randy Newman. Randy Newman. You know, it just sort of not to not that he sounds like Randy Newman, but it was just sort of like you know I know when when I'm watching a cartoon and all of a sudden you hear doodly dum and everybody and you know it's oh it's Randy Newman wrote a song for this and and it would I would sort of be the same with Danny Elfman as soon as you're Randy Newman it's like Randy Newman and Danny Elfman have put together a combination. Then you've got the Natural by Randy Newman, which is incredible. You got Maverick. Totally, um, what was it, Avalon, he was nominated for. Ragtime. I got to introduce you to the other Randy Newman. Okay, that's so. not, yeah. He exists, but that's not the one that makes it out into the mass populace that, that I've been. As so, Kiwi's Playhouse. I have to go back yeah. and listen to that again. Now, Scott, I'm curious to hear what you have. Okay, I'm... Uh, you know, going on the criteria, if you remember from the soundtrack episode, I, I spent like a half an hour explaining my criteria. This one I'm going to be much briefer and just say these are the ones that push my buttons. These are the ones for, you know, whether it's whatever, you know, just yep. emotionally, just nostalgia or patriotic or whatever. The first one we're going to go with, and uh, you guys tell me if this uh, falls within the purview of what we're doing or not. This was actually an HBO TV series. Does that count? Sure. Sure. Why Excellent. Not? All right. My number five is the theme to From the Earth to the Moon. series and the main theme by um michael came 
Michael Kamen, thank you very much. I blanked for a moment. It's very, very, very similar to his main theme to Robin Hood, Prince of theme, uh, Thieves, but it's just different enough and has just the right blend of... It's basically take Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, uh, mix it with Apollo 13 and a little bit of like the right stuff, and it just... I can't listen to this without welling up. Every single time, it, it just... There's something about it. It's... It's beautiful and majestic, but it's also, like, sad. Because a lot of the series, if you ever watch it, a lot of the series was was very emotional, was a little sad. They did a whole episode about the Apollo 1 tragedy, and uh, it just it, it just hits that button. Great piece of music. Um, if you haven't heard it, check it out. It, it's really beautiful. And that's my number five. It, right. That's very good. I like that one, too. That's interesting. We're, we're to number four. Number four. Well, this one comes from, um, again, for me, it's a lot about how did the music fit into the series through the whole time. And a lot of my favorite themes come from shows that have great music throughout the whole run of the show. And this one is a, is a good example of that. And um, I can just see Scott groaning now, but um, <laughs> the, this one I have is um, Xena Warrior Princess. Joseph Loduca. But it kind of it's kind of hand in hand with Hercules and Xena because they're kind of two different shows, but kind of the same theming and that kind of stuff. But the opening theme to that show is really very good, and it spawned like six CDs that TV series did. Hercules spawned like five CDs yeah. of just the music from those shows. So there's proof right there that that music is worth listening to. Um, so uh, number four for me is Xena or Xena slash Hercules. Wow, I have I have some um, a drummer in my band who would be very was going to be very excited to hear that 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 one big. It is very percussive, the Xena theme. Yeah. Bum bum ba dum bum 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 bum. Very percussive. Now speaking of groaning, we're back to me, and I I didn't really name my criteria. My criteria is basically, and this is a good one for me to bring it up with, is one that. now I didn't necessarily have to know all the lyrics, but if I can pretty much do do the lyrics to the song, that put it up in my in the top of my list. And you know, something that just like from has been most of them have have been ingrained in my head for, you know, almost all of my forty years and uh, they just instantly pop to the top of my head. 
And those t- those TV songs are the ones. As soon as you hear them, they put you in that um, in that um, you know in the mood for that TV show. You know, it sets you up in anticipation. And this one, this one always brings back a lot of nostalgia. And I always just loved the song. It was a WKRP in Cincinnati theme song. Which, uh, yeah, that's a good one. That is a very good one. It's by uh, Tom Wells, wrote the music, and Hugh Wilson uh, wrote the lyrics, and it was performed by someone named Steve Carlisle. I don't know who any of these people are. They're, this is all, you know, <laughs> just Wikipedia stuff. And, uh, yeah, I always love that, that theme. So I love that TV show for what? That TV show is hilarious. And, uh, but that song was very catchy. That was in, back in the days when they actually, there was a time period in the 70s where they really wrote, um, so, you know, a lot of TV songs were very borderline pop songs, very, you know. Very, oh, yeah. You know, very, I'm sure this was a single at some time. And, and even better was the end theme of it by this guy named Jim Ellis. And it was a demo that he did, uh, that was, uh, you know, they said, okay, write an end theme. So he wrote it, and they said, okay, write some lyrics. And he didn't have some lyrics yet, but he recorded it and just sort of did some nonsense lyrics in there to fill in the space, which is great because they, you could tell they sort of mixed the lyrics a little low, so you can't really tell if the guy's singing nonsense or you just can't understand the words. So it becomes a little bit of rip on, you know, not being able to ex- understand rock lyrics. And it's just a great rock and roll song, and it's like... It's not barely even 30 seconds long, I think. You know, maybe like 20 to 30 seconds long. And just great. That was a that was a great show. That was one of the first great TV shows to use good rock and roll. They would use some intelligent rock and roll in the background and mention. They always, um, I've been watching episodes of it actually on uh, Surf the Channel. And I just watched one the other day that had Hoyt Axton on it who's uh, one of my favorite songwriters. And, you know, you look in the background and they have records hung up on the walls and posters of records. And um, one of them I saw was a Leon Redbone poster, who's a fairly obscure artist, but he was even more obscure at that point. But, you know, that must have been a nice little boost for him to have it, you know, to get his poster on a national TV show. Now, of course, they were trying to simulate the look of a real radio station, but... You know, they, they, they really were kind of subversive with, with some of the music they would play. I've heard some Frank Zappa on there before. Mm-hmm. So that was, I always thought that was, that was really interesting. Oh, that's but, great. Uh, yeah, I, that, that is a catchy tune. WKRP in Cincinnati. I have to tell you, when I was driving to Michigan from Georgia, we drove through Cincinnati, and that's all that went through my head. That's all that, that you song. think of. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's what I think is one of – that's like – I think that is my main criteria for a good song is that, that brain loop that it plays on. So uh, now, now we're to uh, Scott Gardner's number four. Okay. Mine is uh, – Mine is a Danny Elfman 
And by <laughs> all the books that we ran down before, people probably could narrow it down to what, what this one is. But this was one that, that definitely this, – this pushes that – that action adventure button. I, I just love this. One of my one of my favorites. Uh, I, I mean, I just love the show when it was on. Um, this is the theme to the Flash. I mean, the series as a whole had great music throughout it. I mean, uh, most of it was scored by uh, his longtime collaborator, uh, Shirley Walker. But the actual main theme was written by by Elfman. Um, I liked it. They worked it into the series quite a bit. There were really – there were two main pieces of music that were recurring themes, which was the main theme, this piece. And then there was another theme that Walker wrote, which was like – like I guess you would just describe it as like the flash running theme, you know, and uh, that that theme actually came back and was used again by Walker in an episode of uh, Superman, the animated series where Superman and the flash had a race around the world. So I thought that was really cool. But yeah, speaking just strictly main themes, uh, the flash, just, just one of my favorites um, of all the stuff that, that Elfman did for, for TV, you know, Batman, uh, the animated series included, I, I think this was his his uh, masterpiece. I, just a great, you know, just gave you that, that sensation of speed and, and adventure and just super heroics and, and just a fantastic theme. I really like that one. Well, you know, you're talking about Danny Elfman, and to be honest, I don't think many people do realize how much he's actually touched the world of television. Uh, I just realized the other day that he wrote the theme song for Desperate Housewives, which I've never seen. Well, that's oh, right. God. He may have done that one, um, oh, the one Pushing Daisies. Did he do that one? Uh, I don't know. I think he did um, Point Pleasant as well. Mm-hmm. So he's definitely yeah. out there for television. Yeah. He's got he did a good a- agent, huh? <laughs> He did a yeah. Nike he's got a great agent, Richard Kraft. And he did a Nike commercial not long ago that was one of the the real popular commercials for a while. He scored all that was one with like Charles Barkley or somebody as a superhero or something like that. I remember that because it's on one of his compilation albums. Those those music for yeah, a yeah, dark yeah. And yeah. But yeah, he did a lot of TV. All right, so where are we now? We're no- number three. Number three. Yeah, oh. we're back to Mark. All right, well, 
Number three is definitely a classic. It actually kind of combines two classics um, together. And, uh, you know, again, you got to put Jerry Goldsmith in there. He's a great composer. And um, I have got um, my number three is uh, Star Trek The Next Generation, which combines Alexander Courage's original Star Trek uh, uh, theme with Jerry Goldsmith's theme from the very first movie. Um, Voyager is also on my list, which is a pure, just straight Goldsmith original theme for a TV show, which is rare. Um, but uh, I have to, yeah, it is. But I had to go with Star Trek Next Generation because I just think it's a little bit better. It's that original two classics together, kind of combined, and they did it such a great job mixing it together. Yeah, um, they did. So, so my number three is Jerry Goldsmith's and Alexander Coolidge's Star Trek: The Next Generation. That's funny. I just watched the premiere episode of that. Uh, I think two nights ago. Again, I haven't seen it. The the um, encounter, encounter at Farpoint. Far yeah, the and uh, and I was listening to it and I was amazed at how much of the how much Alexander Courage was getting quoted in it and it not it, maybe not even quoted as much as just alluded to, but it mm-hmm. had a lot of just little pieces that that felt like it was very good. It was just a great everything about that the. the writing and the music and everything was that perfect combination of old and new Star Trek and yeah and it fit together seamlessly it was really good I, I forgot how I remember enjoying it when it came out and I forgot how much I did and how good it was that's that's a good one and it's funny I was just thinking about that the other day and uh, my number three is um, I'd be very surprised if either one of you or her, remember this uh, unless you were a big PBS it was a PBS well it was a British show BBC show but you know you'd catch it here on PBS late night called uh, The Goodies Goody Goody Yum Yum
main theme was written by one of the guys, uh, Bill Udi, who was sort of the ringleader. I think he was like the behind-the-scenes ringleader. There were three guys in it that, um, you know, and it was a wacky screwball comedy show. And it had a great sort of somewhere between a goofy kitty cartoon song and a Beatles pop song. Um, I'm sure I'll be able to find somewhere where they have it on YouTube that I'll be able to bleed this on. There were every different season would be a different little variation on it, or uh, but it would still have basically the same sort of um, same goody goody yum yum theme put through it. It was great. It's it just it's from when I was a little kid that song has always been just part of my part of my brain. That's my number three, The Goodies by Bill Udi. And I would say of my of all the goodie of all the different seasons of the goodies, probably the original season is probably my favorite. The first season is probably my favorite, the classic original goodies theme. That will be the one I'll probably play in representation of the goodies. Scott? <laughs> Alright, my number three. And don't laugh, but this one makes my list just because for pure nostalgia, it takes me back to just being a kid and sure. innocent times and just when the when the world was just so much uh, simpler and I don't know, just whatever, you know, just, just total childhood nostalgia is the theme to The Price is Right. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm serious, man. I hear that, and I, I feel like a little kid sitting in front. I mean, even more than, like, certain you know like why? Saturday morning shows or yeah, whatever. You know why? What's that? Because it represents a time either before you went to school or right. you were staying home from school because you were sick or you didn't have to go to school. Right. So that was good times, man. Yep. You know, so it, yeah, just, I mean, it was always on at that time where it would be after, you know, it was after the kids went to school and mom could sit and watch The Price is Right. I mean, I am ultimately, if nothing else, I am a, a child of the 70s. And nothing on television to me says the 70s more than that theme to The Price is Right. I mean, the, in the show remarkably over the years didn't really you know i mean sure bob barker got old and things changed in the in the merchandise may have more or less updated over the years to eventually you know they had you know plasma screen tvs and all that but ultimately the sets the music the feel of the show even today with the, yeah yeah exactly i mean even even today with a whole new host and everything and modern products that show still feels like a 70s show, you know? Why, it, why fix it if it's not broken? Exactly, exactly. But, I mean, I hear that, that theme, and it, 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 it totally takes me back to, to being uh-huh. a preschool-age child in the, in the early 70s. It totally does. So, yeah, you know, it might be, it might be kind of silly, you know, and it is a game yeah, show. I think and it's all, a good choice. Yeah, I, it totally takes me back. So yeah, that's my that's my number three, and you know what's really funny? Uh, you know, speaking to Mark's uh, uh, Disney uh, employment, you ever notice Mark the uh, Q or not Q, but the the uh, what do they call it? Outside of the Land Pavilion, you know the music that they play before you get into the actual building. Mm-hmm. Well, I, 
know what they call that, but you know, it's like the area music for the called for the, BGM background music. Yeah, yeah. There is uh, a track on there that they still play today. It really surprised me. It sounds so much like it could be from like a Price Is Right style um, game show, and I'll, I'll I'll put it under as talking in this segment so that people know what I'm talking about. But this music you're hearing right now is from the Land Pavilion at Epcot. And tell me this doesn't sound like it could be from The Price is Right. It, it's, 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 it cracks me up every time I'm there and actually hear it because I'm like, wow, that's really dated. But it's it's cool, you know, dated in a way. But, uh, yeah, anyway, that's that's my number three. Now, so I we're think back. we're going to start getting into I think the I think our, our top two okay. here oh, yeah. is going to be very interesting. <laughs> I know mine are, yeah, absolutely. Okay. I'm seriously thinking about taking my name off of this episode now that you've named The Price is Right. <laughs> it's not as bad as the Repo Man moment, is it? Oh, no. Well, at least I don't know that one. <laughs> well, we're, we're, coming up on, we're coming up on a sort of Repo Man moment, possibly for, for mine, so Ooh, we'll, we'll see. see. <clears throat> All right, well, yeah, you, I have to admit, your top, the top two could be very interesting. I mean, so far, they've been so diversified here amongst the three of us. Well, I don't think mine are going to be scandalous this time. I just think they're actually going to actually be interesting to talk about. But, and I think we might get a little over... I'm, I'm thinking there might be a little overlap here. I don't know. There might be. I think... I know what you're yeah. talking about. And I think that my number one might be on your at least one or two. Oh, um, but let's see. There's going to be so many people disappointed when they hear our top five because they're going to be like, what about this? What about this? What about this? And we'll get to that. We'll rattle off our yeah. whole lists and uh, we'll hopefully give your your favorite TV show honorable mention here. But my number two, which again goes back to you know one of the greatest composers of all time, um, John Williams. And who can forget his uh, theme to Amazing Stories? Steven got Spiel. it. I totally bum, forgot about bum, that. Oh bum, 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 yeah, that's, that's even that's iconic. On the, that's on the uh, the loop for when when the you're Disney's waiting Hollywood to get, Studios. Yeah, when you're waiting to get into this. Oh, how the hell did I? I know. Get Hello, that? I work there. I know. Oh, I hear. I know. Every day. I know. I'm picking myself. Yeah, totally, totally. That's a great one, Mark. That's a great one. So and of course, it's, again, this is another example, like Tales from the Crypt, of a show that the music was outstanding throughout the whole run of the series, um, not just the main theme, although the main theme binds it um, and just gives that extra kick. I mean, you're talking about like Tales from the Crypt. Every episode of Amazing Stories 
and Tales from the Crypt were scored by top-notch film composers, James Horner, Danny Elfman, George Delarue, um, John Williams, uh, Alan Silvestri. So uh, anyway, my, my amazing number two goes to Amazing Stories. I can't believe that I can't believe that I forgot about that one. Bruce Broughton. Yeah, I'm, I'm yes, looking at my albums right now for for who worked on this, and yeah, you're man, I, I'm kicking myself totally because yeah. You're, and here's you're my abs- little plug. Um, Entrada, I believe it's Entrada, released three uh, CDs uh, that are two discs each of um, seasons one, season two, season three of Amazing that's Stories. I, you can get all the music from Amazing Stories. Yeah, that's what I'm looking at right now. Yeah, David Newman, Bruce Broughton, Craig Safan, George Delarue, Billy Goldenberg, Jerry Goldsmith. Yeah, man, they're a top-notch talent. David Shire. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I cannot believe. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. What's yours, man? My number two? My number two is Doctor Who. Very good call. Ron 
Ron Grainer. Ron Grainer, yep. And uh, realized by Delia Derbyshire. 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 And, and the BBC by, Radiophonic Workshop. Yes, and I was I was reading about this, and this is right up my alley. It's I love this song, but then I was actually reading. She's was um, and maybe she started out because she had to do it, but she seemed to stick to the whole method of of actually physically cutting the tape. You know, and cutting and manipulating the tape. I, I read this whole long segment of how, you know, how at the end of every episode there'd be that that scream, that yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, they they gave the whole, you know, it was the first few notes of the opening theme reversed. You know, she flipped the tape over and then she ran it through. You know, some sort of effects loop, and then taped it again, and then reversed that, and you know, and she would just do this, you know, painstaking process of layering and reversing and clipping and cutting to put together all that music. And I love that. That stuff fascinates me. I love the way. That's why. That's like um, from the last episode, the Forbidden Planet, the people who made the Forbidden Planet music. It's, I, I love that process stuff. Well, I have to say, you know, I really like the way you, you, you mentioned that whole segment right there because, you know, you had Ron Grainer who wrote the theme song. But from my understanding, and there could be people out there that may know more about it than I do, but he wrote the music. And basically he wrote like a piano theme or an right. orchestral theme. But Delia Derbyshire really is the one that made it sound so if unique they took an, yeah, to if a sci-fi show. they took an orchestra show. and played it and they played that theme, it probably wouldn't have – it probably wouldn't have held, like, you know, it wouldn't have been the iconic yes. s- sound that it is. It was just so, so, it was so electronic-y and science fiction-y without at the same time sounding cheesy and corny like a lot of electronic music could. It really had an edge and was just very, very um, driving and engaging Music. I mean, when, whenever I would hear that music, I would just get, when I was a kid, I would get goosebumps. I was, you know, it was it was right after school, they would always play the Tom Baker, Doctor Who's. And yeah, that was, yeah. you know, and that was, that was probably the greatest thing. The greatest thing and the worst thing was, the greatest thing was hearing the opening theme, and the worst thing was hearing that scream come on, because you weren't ever sure when the show was going to end. And then all of a sudden, but as soon as you hear that noise you knew oh it's the cliffhanger into the next yeah next episode and and scott you may appreciate that ron grainer also wrote the theme the music for omega man which just got re-released on cd by the way is that the uh charlton heston movie yeah yes sir. yeah the uh, the original version of um uh-huh. i am legend which the yeah. i am legend is the original title but i think the first movie was omega man no that yep. was the second one Second was one. it? The first one was The Last Man on Earth starring Vincent Price. Right. That's oh, right. wow. Black and white. Right. Both of them are very good movies in their own way. The Vincent Price one, almost like the, the, the Omega Man has a bit of that 70s damage to it. But I like that about it. You know, it's got a little bit of that Planet of the Apes 70s mm-hmm. to it. Um, yeah, it does. You're right. But it's it's they're, they're, both of those are great movies, and I even liked the Will Smith one right up until the very end. I thought the end of it was was a total cop out in the new one. I thought I thought the new one like held up really good right up until until that. It's a, and uh, it's a very good very good book 
short novel too by Richard Matheson. I yes, and it, yeah, it is Richard Matheson who wrote Somewhere in Time and all kinds of stuff that made all into kinds movies. of great stuff. I think he wrote originally wrote uh, Terror at however many thousand feet it was for Twilight mm-hmm. Zone. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, he yeah he was he's a classic Shatner. writer. Yeah. Yep. He's a great great horror sci-fi fantasy writer mostly horror or towards the horror and this stuff okay scott we're up to your number two okay this may very likely be my repo man moment in this <laughs> oh, here we go i can't help it um uh, i think you already had it with the price is right oh come on man the price is right's a classic i i'm standing with scott on the price is right of course I, you I are <laughs> but uh you are two freaks <laughs> But, uh, no, seriously, people are going to be like, what? With this one, I think. But I'm serious. Despite my ongoing joke about my fascination with the star of this show, that's largely a joke. I have not watched this show again since being a very small child. I have a feeling. (laughs) I know what it is. Yeah, I know you do. (laughs) I, I know that this show probably more than likely lives a much better life in my memory than it would that if I ever went back and revisited it. You're a dirty, dirty man. But the the theme to this show still, it just pushes that button, you know? It it really does. It it just gets me going. I like to sing along with it. It's just a trip. It is. It's a trip, man. It is. Say it. I know what it is. Say it. Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. All the world is waiting for you and the power you possess. In your satin tights, fighting for your rights and the old red, white, and blue. Charles Fox. Yeah. I'm I'm telling you, man, I love that theme. It's such a trip. Like I say, the show, I haven't seen it since I was a kid when it originally was airing. So, you know, I'm fully expecting if I ever see it again, it probably sucks. It's probably not very good like I remember it to be. But that theme, that opening theme, it just kicks ass, man. It's just a great you know, get you get you pumped up theme. I, I really it's, it's like it. I'll, say, I'll go with that one. On it. Oh, I'll yeah. go with that one more than the Price is Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is above the Price is Right on my list. So, but yeah, that's that's definitely my my number two. And uh, 
I tell, man, this this was a hard list. I mean, a lot of stuff got bumped aside, but yeah, this one this one definitely pushes it. And uh, yeah, that's my number two. Yeah. Okay. Enough about Scott's butt getting pushed. And now <laughs> it's on to number the big number ones. With okay, Mark, what, what this is? I'm really interested. For, I'm always interested to hear what your number one is. Absolutely. Well, I don't know if you've heard of my number one before. It's very obscure. Um, but it's it's been a great show. It's been on TV forever. Um, I just love it. It's had this. The theme song itself has had numerous incarnations throughout the years, even to a most recent one four years ago. Um, and uh, again, I don't know if you heard this, Chris, but my number one is an old science fiction show called Doctor Who. figured that might be <laughs> well i hope i didn't steal your thunder on that one no not at all scream off that one no in fact i think didn't we do that didn't we do that for um the the film music one too yeah. i think we both had et at et as number two and i had it as number one or something really? like that yeah something and you wow, had doctor that's right doctor who was number one ah the spoiler yeah you are <laughs> You're going first next time. If I'm gonna be, if I'm, if I was gonna be a supervillain, that would be my name. The spoiler. I would just stand outside movie theaters, giving away the ending and running away laughing. I don't know. Is there one the pervert? Because I mean, you could have that one nailed too. The perv. There you go. The perv. I like that one. I would be the Scarlet Perv. But back to Doctor Who. Yes. Um, I have to admit, one of my pet peeves has always been if you redo a, a TV show or you redo a movie um, and you call it the same thing you can't not use the theme music from it I mean you just right. can't do it it drives me insane when you watch uh, even if it's like like a, like MacGyver for example when they did right. the MacGyver movies after the fact that they made the TV show or the, the murder she wrote 
TV movies after they made the Murder, She Wrote TV show, they didn't use the theme song. So already I'm pissed off before I even watch the episode because they didn't use the theme song from it. It drove me crazy. So to see Doctor Who keep to that theme all these years and sometimes yeah. make it better. I mean, Murray Gold, who has redone it for the 2000, uh, whatever it was, 2004, um, when, when Doctor Who came back out. Uh, and he redid the theme. I would like, who the heck is Murray Gold? I'm going to hate it right from the beginning. It's going to be awful. And then I heard it and his music for the whole series. Again, this is another example throughout the whole run of since 1963 where not only do you have a great theme, but you've got great music throughout the yeah. whole series. I mean the DVDs that come out now have isolated music scores for almost every episode because that's how many much people really like the music from these from these episodes. Well I know with like a lot of the Tom Baker ones, the music is actually usually a lot a lot higher quality. You know, they were shot on video. You know, yeah. it's a lot higher quality than like the special effects. I don't want to say than the than the show itself because I love the show. But I mean the music would be the most probably um, produced in advanced thing about the whole the whole show and that's probably what helped sell the cheap production values yes of the video <laughs> you know is having good music behind it or under it you know or to, to set up to set up um, yeah because I can remember I do you remember there was a I'm sure you remember there was a um, Tom Baker one where there was um, I can almost remember the maybe it was Wang Chiang was the name. The Talons of Wang Chiang. And he had a little he had a little demon like puppet. Yeah, and he was dressed as Sherlock Holmes in the Sherlock Holmes outfit. Yeah, and, and he just yeah, Mr. Mr. Sin, Mr. Sin. Mr. Sin, and that had some great that had some great music in it. I just I always remember that one as having some of the most creeped out music of any Doctor Who. Well, you have to give credit to Dudley Simpson. He uh, he did Doctor Who from like the uh, – I'm just making a number up. But like the first year he did music, and he did the music all the way through the Tom Baker series, um, the incidental episodes. And he did Talons Wing Chiang. I'm almost positive he did Talons Wing Chiang. And uh, he is just all over that. He did the theme song for The Tomorrow People. Um and uh, he has a definite stamp on Doctor Who. So we got to give Dudley Simpson honorable mention credit yeah. there. All right, that's my number one. All right, now we're up to my number one. And my number one is Star Trek The Original Series.
by Alexander Courage, who is a graduate of the Eastman School of Music, which um, I, I say I work right next to, so I'm, I'm around the Eastman School of Music Very every cool. day. And what and, was his uh, nickname? What did everybody call him? Oh, I don't know. I, Sandy. Sandy Courage? Yeah, Alexander that came, became oh. Sandy. And he just passed away last year, not too long ago. Really? Yeah. Um, did you know that he was Jerry Goldsmith's orchestrator? He orchestrated a lot of Jerry Goldsmith's scores, which is very funny because they had that Star yeah, Trek connection. Yep. But, um, I mean, that music, uh, from the Star Trek theme right down to all the, you know, and I and I realize he didn't write all the incidental music, but he wrote a lot of the great, iconic themes of Star Trek. And that theme song is just is yeah. great. Um, I, I forgot to, I was going to, and I don't know why I didn't, but I was going to um, get the li- download the lyrics that, because Gene Roddenberry, in Gene Roddenberry style, when he wrote the theme, Gene Roddenberry immediately put lyrics on top of it so that he could get half the, you know, half the, um, whatchamacallits? Royalties. Royalties, yeah, something I've never got, so I can never remember the name. Yeah, Mike Merv Griffin for doing the theme song to Jeopardy. Oh really? He he yeah. cause he put because oh, he wrote yeah. like lyrics to it or something. No, he wrote he wrote he wrote the actual theme for it, but oh. it's his TV show and he wrote the music for it. So so yeah so Roddenberry so if you've I, and I remember as a kid my mother had a sheet music book with the Star Trek music in it and Roddenberry's words which were terrible. It was you know something about oh my you know. I'll find my love across the stars as I trek across space to find her. It's just terrible. And you know they were never going to use it. Rod Bear is just like, yeah, 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 okay. Here we go. I got some lyrics for it. Oh, they <laughs> should have had Leonard Nimoy sing it, too. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> it, it still could happen. It still could be done. You know, maybe someday we'll meet him and we can talk him into it. It wouldn't be, it wouldn't be hard to realize. Maybe I'll sing it someday. Maybe that'll oh be one of my side projects for this. Maybe at the end I'll end this show with me singing the Star Trek theme. Since <laughs> it is my number one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> proudly, I'll say, I'll find those awful words and I'll sing them proudly and strongly. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, great choice. All right, Scott. Oh man, it all fall, it all comes down to me. All right, you can't sing this th- this uh, this particular theme, but nothing, nothing comes close in all of television history to 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 just pushing that button for me like this theme does. It, I mean, I hear this and just oh, I can't I can't even describe the emotions I get from it. Uh, just it, it starts very unconventionally for for a TV theme, even for its time, it was very unconventional. Even today, I don't think there's anything that's that's been done that's been quite like it. Um, this is the theme to the Six Million Dollar Man. Okay, Victor. Landing rocket arm switch is on. Here comes the throttle. Circuit breakers in. We have separation. Inboard and outboard, they're on. We're coming forward with the side stick. I'm going to blow out. Number three. Get your pitch to zero. Pitch is out again. Hold out the two. Direction. Help a hold us off. Trip selected. Emergency. Flight calm. I can't hold it. She's breaking up. She's breaking Steve Austin. Astronaut. A man barely alive. 
gentlemen, we can rebuild him. We have the technology. We have the capability to make the world's first bionic man. Steve Austin will be that man. Better than he was before. Better. Stronger. Faster. <laughs> it's oh, yeah. just oh i'm telling you i was so in love with this show when i was a kid you know make all the jokes that you want about what it became later on with the friggin bionic bigfoot and all the goofy stuff that went on later after it pretty much jumped the shark but early on you know the the this theme captures what the show was totally about you know this this astronaut you know this this american hero this moonwalker has this horrible accident and you know they they rebuild him just like it says in the, in the in the theme you know we can rebuild him and they they turn him into this cyborg and i'm telling you when it when it you know, it goes through all that i like how it there's not really a lot of music it's that dun, 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 that plays underneath the whole rebuilding part but it's then like it the goes hulk, into, it's like the hulk theme it has a little yeah. generation with the driving part and then it goes yeah to the, the hulk theme. is great and then when it finally gets to that to that part at the end, you know, where where you know, uh, he's you know, it's doing the da 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 da, and he's trucking along on the thing. Man, I just want to go out and run when I hear that. You know, it's just it's awesome. It's just such a great theme. Who wrote and it? it just, you know, you know, I let me see here if I if I've got this in my notes. I cannot remember who. Oh, uh, let's see. But uh, while you're looking that up, while you're looking that up, one thing I have to say that I think is rather interesting that all three of our number one choices um, are science fiction shows. Yeah, but doesn't that doesn't science fiction slash fantasy that just leads to great music? I mean, you have to. Oliver Oliver Nelson, according to what I've got here, Oliver Nelson. Never heard of him. And uh, I'll, I'll be playing this, you know, when when we play these different themes. I'll play the long version because I have an album here. It's a really great album called Sci- Sci-Fi, uh, Sci-Fi's Greatest Hits, Volume 4, Defenders of Justice. Most places where you can find this theme play the short version. I like the long version, which has the actual crash of the spaceship at the beginning of it. Most versions that you'll hear on most albums start with the, you know, Steve Austin, you know, astronaut, a man barely alive. But the the full theme as it was played on the TV show actually had Austin come in in his ship and he crashed, you know, into the landing strip. That's the full version. That's the one that I'll play here. And, man, it just, it it really gets me going. Because in the beginnings of that show, before it became goofy, it was done very straight. You know, it had a lot of science behind it. It wasn't really terribly science fictiony. It was, you know, arguably pretty realistic for for its time. You know, they they had they used a lot of real science in, you know, the the astronaut story and stuff like that. And and that's what I really did. Yeah, and then exactly. And then they jumped the shark and got into all the you know, then then eventually everybody was bionic. You know, they had a bionic dog and bionic girlfriend and bionic Bigfoot. That's when it got silly. But man, that first season great great stuff 
really good show. That's my number one. All right. Well, now I think we should take a break and come back with our honorable mentions that go way beyond being honorable mentions. So it's just sort of an extension of our list, but I'm sure we've got a whole bunch others that uh, I'm sure people are upset that we've missed. <laughs> yep. And I'm sure we'll still miss some, but we'll be right back. Especially with the price is right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that that ruined, that's taken up Scott, that's taken up space of some other guy's favorite song on there. No, you're you know, space of the price is right. This wouldn't be our show. This wouldn't be a, a show with Mark if something on either your or, or my list didn't piss Mark off. So, you know, hey, we're just in keeping with tradition at this yeah, point. True. You're keeping it alive. <laughs> <laughs> keeping the dream alive. All right, we'll be back with to spread more of the dream around in just a minute. Hi folks, Chris Honeywell here. Just to prove that I'm a man of my word, I am now going to sing the lyrics to Star Trek in the original form as written by Gene Roddenberry. Now, um, I'm assuming by these horrible lyrics that they're meant to be from the point of view of Captain Kirk's girlfriend that he leaves behind on Earth. Since I've already humiliated myself enough for you people... I will not sing it in the voice of a girl, but my own wonderful natural voice. Beyond the rim of the starlight, my love is wandering in starflight. I know he'll find in star-clustered reaches. Strange love a star woman teaches. I know his journey ends never. His Star Trek will go on forever. But tell him while he wanders his starry sea, remember, remember me. Hey, we're back. And uh, we're, we're coming back to our runners-up or honorable mentions, which really we could have done a top 20 or a top 10 list. or But, you know, I guess we did a five just to be consistent with the movie top five because we're the top five guys or whatever. So uh, we'll just we'll just go through and we're going to rifle up. We've got a whole big list each of us do. So um, Mark probably having the biggest list. So we'll just we'll rifle off three at a time going through here until Scott and I run out and then we'll find out what the rest of what Mark has and we'll, we'll I think actually I'll start with um, Scott this time because I'll try to run out or no you know what I'll start with me <laughs> I'll start with me and then I'll go to Scott and then we'll run out three each of our songs to give us a little head start on Mark so my top three oh wait Chris you go first okay I will Hey, Chris, you know what? This is your show. You know what? You're right, Chris. Oh, God, what a crackhead. Uh, Are you drunk? No. You'd think I was. But I'm not. I'm not insane either. It's not me who's insane. It's you. It's you that's insane. All right, my 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 first three runners-up are Sanford and Son by Quincy Jones.
Twilight Zone by, is it Darius Constant? My hand Twilight Zone? Is, yeah. Did you say that was Twilight? Dimitri Tiomkin, but okay. It could be. It could be I thought Jerry Goldsmith wrote The Twilight Zone. Yeah, he wrote Twilight Zone the movie. He wrote the score for the movie. Oh, but I thought he did the original theme as well. Okay, cool. And, uh, well, you know, The Grateful Dead recorded it for the new, the Harlan Ellison produced version. Which I think a lot of it was Vangelis. It was, oh, it was a lot of. I think of, you're right. Yeah. It was, um, and I'm, I almost didn't count that one because it is mostly classical music, although there is a Cosmos main theme to it. Um, but a lot of it was, uh, you know, the, the Planet Suite done in Vangelis or Vangelisy kind of electronics. I think Synergy might have done, the band Synergy might have done a lot of music, but it was, it was nice synthy music. Scott, what are your uh, next three? In no particular order, although they were ones that I really had to struggle with when making the top five. This this would basically be if, if we had gone with, like say, like the top uh-huh. ten instead of the top five. The, these are ones that would have been in that ten. Um, right off the bat, this is one that I, I had left it off the list only because it, it, it's, it wasn't a show that I could watch growing up because I, I, you know, I don't think it even played in reruns. It's way before my time, but I, it's become one of my favorites like retroactively is uh, the old Disneyland theme, you know, where it, was, it started out and it was like the curtain pulled back and, you know, Walt Disney's Disneyland and it oh, went sure. in and it explained the different lands and all that. Walt Disney's Disneyland. Land. Each week as you enter this timeless land, one of these many worlds will open to you. At the end Are you of 75 each... years old? Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. You know, so it's way before my time, but you know, as I, I've become a Disney fan and, and really enjoy watching a lot of the, the old stuff, you know, mostly for like the appearances of Walt himself introducing the different episodes. I, I really like it. I, I like the, just the whole production of how it was done. I mean, every episode feels like a little movie. You know, and I, I like how it would introduce all four lands. And then when it was done with that, it would say, you know, the, the opening would change just slightly depending on which land was actually presenting the show. So like, if it was like a true life adventures, for example, it would end with Adventureland, and it would say, and tonight from Adventureland, you know, blah, blah, blah. Presenting this week from Adventureland, the Yellowstone story and 
their country. And now your host, Walt Disney. I, th I think that's cool. That must have been really neat growing up in that era where you could actually watch the show and, and that's how it unfolded now like a little movie. Was it the same music they used at the beginning of The Wonderful World of Disney, was it? No, no, that was way different. And that that's another one too that I, uh -huh. I really enjoyed, but you know, that that would actually be have been from our era growing up, but like I you know, like I've said many times, I I didn't grow up a Disney fan or a, a Disney child because for me in the in the era when when we grew up I just think that was Disney's weakest period. You know, it was the it was the years post Walt's death, and it was between, uh, you know, when he died and when Eisner took over. I mean, they, they really struggled. There was a, just a lot of, you know, weak movies and a lot of weak TV during that whole that whole period, and so I, I didn't get into it until way later. Anyway, a couple other quick ones. Oh, this was another one that was really hard to leave off my list was uh, The Adventures of Superman. This was the old George Reeves. Uh, mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. I love that theme. I mean, that that's another one that, that gets me going. And I, I, you know, I grew up watching that show, even though it was you know in reruns and all. Really loved that one. Um, and then one I am amazed, Chris, that this one didn't make your list is the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy by the Eagles. Oh, is, is it that by the, the old Eagles? the BBC the old BBC? Yeah, uh -huh. Yeah. Oh, really? Fly is it really the, by the Eagles? Flight of the Sorcerers by the Eagles. It's that's yeah. You, you, that is on my list somewhere. Oh wow. That was yeah, actually I, the I, last one on my list, which I'm just dropping off right now. But yeah, that the Eagles, <laughs> uh, Flight of the Sorcerer. It's on the Long Run album. Oh, that's funny because it's on the um, for the movie, the the recent uh, Disney movie uh, of uh, Hitchhikers. It was called uh, Journey of the Sorcerer. Journey of the Sorcerer. That's yeah. that's what it is. Right. Correct. Song. Oh wow! Yeah, that, that's yeah. I really like that. It's like a longer version. Yep. Uh, the movie, but yeah, when that came up in that movie, that that moment made that movie for me. Uh -huh. you know, just the fact incorporated the original. When you heard uh, that banjo playing, that first little banjo yep. pick. Yeah, just sends chills up your spine. That was another one that I used to wait up late night to watch the original Hitchhikers and. With that music and the, you'd see the little spaceman flying through the, the mm -hmm. words, you know, the big stone words of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. That always used to just send chills up my spine. Me too. Excellent. Absolutely. Excellent. Um, okay. Well, um, I have um, uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer by Nerf Herder. Thank you. 
Is that what you said? Yeah. Isn't that isn't that who it's by? Yep. Why you stuck up, half-witted, scruffy-looking nerf herder? And then uh, Angel, the theme song from Angel, which I think is that by Robert Crawl. trying to follow um, Chris's example of giving composers names too, but I may, I may be off on some of these. Um, those are two, and obviously Josh Whedon, um, those two shows are another great example of great, great scores from that go throughout the whole run of the show. Um, Christoph Beck, who's become a, a good film composer in his own right now, got a start with Buffy. Um, so those are two great television scores and great themes from th- those shows. And then, you know, um, another one that I just think of as a classic that when you think of TV themes, you you, you, go, you know, that is a definite classic TV theme. And that is uh, Suicide is Painless from the TV show MASH. Yes. Yep. It was written by Johnny Mandel, yep. um, which I realized I, I found out not too long ago that the um, the lyrics that were written for that um, I ha- I was written by. That. Yeah, they were written by Robert Altman's son. Yep. And he was 14 years old when he wrote that. Through early oh, wow. morning dawn, I see visions of the things to be. I realize the something, something, and I realize that I can see <laughs> that suicide is painless and brings on many changes, and I can take or leave them if I choose. So, I, was in uh, the, I was in the stage play of that. I was Ho John in the stage play of oh, cool. MASH, and we actually had to learn the words. To oh, really? Yeah. Uh, so that uh, that was my my next and, and I have to say that the rest of this list are not in any order whatsoever. Yeah. I just wrote things on the page. Yeah, pretty much is the same as me. This is just sort of all the stuff that I like have. And uh, my next three <clears throat> is uh, Vic Mizzy as uh, Adam's family. The Adam's family, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's Definitely also classic. and uh, the Munsters is right up in the Adam's family. Is just being slightly with great surf guitar.
And Vic Mizzy, we must also mention, wrote the Green Acre, the wonderful Green Acres theme, which oh, yeah. that one too. is an awesome song. It's one that stuck it, you know, everybody, even people who aren't even of that generation. I I love the show, too, because... I've never seen this show, but I, I still it. know the theme song from it. It's got an intelligent pig as a character in it. That's just, it's got... Arnold. It's got the greatest honky... You got some fucking problem with me because I'm white? Is that it? Huh? Have I oppressed you? Have I oppressed your people somehow? And when I say honky, it's honky, honk-like sounding, really low, snorty-sounding harmonica. You're a racist. You don't like me because I'm white. Theme that goes through all the background music of that. And this show that was I just years loved. before. This was years before Roseanne and Oprah oh, yeah. cashed in on the whole intelligent pig thing too. So you know, <laughs> or 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 my one of my favorite intelligent pigs, Vance the talking pig from Big Top Pee Wee. <laughs> and, uh, and and my and my third one is uh and it's and you know I don't really I think it's I think it's a Sousa march but that's uh Monty Python's flying circus. Monty Python, yeah. Now, did I did I say about when I was in the Air Force they used to play, you know, right in, you know, the the base itself was like a small town and I I used to often walk from the barracks into the town to go to like the commissary or the barbershop or whatever and a lot of days they would be playing patriotic music and I can remember one of the first times I ever walked there I'm walking along and they were playing I don't know Stars and Stripes Forever or something like that and then it changed and it became whatever that piece of music is that was the Monty Python theme so it was so surreal I'm waiting for like something funny to happen or like a foot right. to step on me or something. it was just that's, so that's exactly weird da 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 yep exactly <laughs> wait for the 16 tons to come down yep so you're next there sucker oh okay um oh man this was another one that was really hard to leave off the list um, I left it off only because I was never a fan of this show. I always thought the show sucked, but the theme was awesome, which was uh, the original Battlestar Galactica by, who is it, Stu Phillips, I think? Yes, and that's on my list yeah. too, Stu Phillips. Oh, is it? Yep. Yeah, yeah, I really like that one, but I Oh, it's I a classic never... theme, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it really is. That was the only thing I liked about that show was, was the main theme to that. Um... Another one, and this is, strangely, again, this is another show I don't think I ever saw a single episode of. But if you ever saw the movie DC Cab, there's a guy who plays this throughout the whole movie. And it's true. It's one of those you could put it on, like, in your car and just drive around to it and feel cool, which was the Mission Impossible theme. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. How could I forget about that? I have that on my list as well. Oh, why did I forget about that? (laughs) That's a classic. I've never seen an episode of that either, but it's a classic television theme by Lalo Schifrin. Yeah, absolutely.
And uh, you know what? I'm going to skip a little bit down my list for another one that's that's the same exact story. Never, ever saw a single episode of this show, but the theme is just so freaking cool. You know, it's another one. You can put it on, you know, in your car or whatever and just feel like you were just Mr. Cool, you know, which is uh, the theme to Rawhide, especially as done by the Blues Brothers in the Blues Brothers movie. Uh, what kind of music do you usually have here? Oh, we got both kinds. We got country and western. That's just a, a great TV theme. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't think I ever saw the show. I know, uh, wasn't Clint Eastwood on that show when he first started his career? Was it Rawhide or was it? It might have been, you know, Gunsmoke. Yeah, one of them. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's my next three. Well, you hit two of <clears throat> two on my list there. Um, let's see. The next ones I have on my list is um, The Wizard, which was a, a 1986 TV show with um, David Rappaport from Time Bandits, mm-hmm. uh, the dwarf. Uh, he played um, this toy inventor that created toys, but he used to be uh, – he used to invent um, weapons uh, for the government, and so he's being sought after by evil people. So he goes on these adventures and helps people and things like that. But the theme is by Arthur B. Rubenstein, and uh, it is actually a great – theme really good um but another one is uh henry mancini you know we don't talk much about henry mancini anymore and it's a shame because he's a great composer of film stuff and television themes and one of the great television themes that he did i thought was new heart um the one where he was in the inn in vermont anyway great theme song um worked fit that show perfectly so um that's mancini and then um my third one as we stopped when we were talking at the very beginning of the show we had the the comment from one of your listeners about john addison and one of my favorite themes from uh from a TV series, and it just, I can just the, the whole opening credits is really good, and it's Murder She Wrote, um, and she's sitting there at the typewriter, and it plays this beautiful theme song at the beginning, and it goes from like this really classical piece into the really haunting mystery section, and back to the classical piece, um, and that's by John Addison, who uh, is one of your listeners' favorite composers. So, uh, Murder She Wrote would be my third one on my list. I have a personal vendetta against that show. Sorry. <laughs> But it doesn't mean you have to like the show. I'm talking about the theme music. Right, right. Oh, yeah, there's plenty of shows I don't like that I sort of like the theme music, too. Okay, my next three are uh, The Monkey's Theme by Tom Boyce and Bobby Hart. Yeah. Which is a good, fun classic. That's that's another one that spans generations. Um, the Simpsons. Uh, Danny Elfman, but there should be a mention of Alf Clausen, who does... You know, Danny Elfman just sort of came in and wrote the theme, but Clausen's been the guy who's been the musical yes. director through the whole thing. Yep. And there's two very good um, CDs of Sim- Simpsons soundtrack and Alf Clausen work that are just, I think one's songs in the key of Springfield, and I can't remember the name of the other one, but they're both great. They have all the, they just have every little musical cue and, you know, the, the theme song to the new show and... They're just very good. They have a lot of great... Uh, he's a very um, flexible composer. You know, he has to come up with a whole bunch of different kinds of of music every week, you know, to fit whatever's going on in the story, which is just, you know, cut and paste pop culture a lot of the time. So, the, but yeah, yeah, I lo- love that. 
All right, my the next, Simpsons was on my list too. Here's one I'm sure Scott's not too big a fan of, but you know I'm a, I'm a big country music fan myself. So Waylon Jennings, Dukes of Hazard. Dukes of Hazard. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> Just the good old boys. But, and, and, but he, you know, he, I mean, he would be picking all the music all the way through that show is him picking on a guitar. And uh, he and he was also the narrator, so he was always the one going, "How are them old boys are going to get out of this one?" You know. And yeah, that's yeah, it reminds me of that's what I complain about in that Legend of the Lone Ranger movie is the stupid narration through the well, whole thing. Them boys sure don't know what they're getting themselves into. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, it was. I I loved that show though. I watched it every week because. And even though it was the exact same show, like the A-Team, you know, like a lot of shows in those days, it was the exact same show week after week. So those are, those are my next three. So. I used to watch that every week, too. In fact, Scott, you know, where you live, not too far, actually, where you used to live in Conyers is where that show was filmed. Oh, he knows. The Dukes of Hazard. Yeah, I know, because <laughs> when I was living in Conyers for a while, I was working in Covington, and I had a co-worker who very proudly drove me all over his hometown to show me all the places where the Dukes of Hazard was filmed. And he saw I had they filmed in the heat of the night there, too. Yeah, yeah. I had to I had to feign um, interest and enthusiasm the, the whole time, because I, I, I think maybe I saw a handful of that show ever and, and totally just wasn't my thing so you, you if you would have seen daisy duke you might have uh you might have stayed around i don't know i just i don't know not my not my breed of woman but anyway is it is it my turn again it is your turn yes again. okay here's one did we mention the incredible hulk we did mention no it. we talked yeah when you we were talking about so, um yeah six, six million dollar man yeah, I'm surprised that that one didn't didn't come in on either somebody's list or at least higher up in the mentions before now. But yeah, that one I, I think mostly because there's not really like a whole lot of music in that particular one. It's it's I don't know. I mean there is, yeah. but it's it's, well, it's more like, of a. It's got the dun 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 dun, and that yeah, that's says true. it all. And then you've got dun 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 dun, <laughs> and that one's very you know that's another transgenerational. One, you know, they're making jokes about that on Family Guy all the time. There's so. one that uh, that came back to me um, recently. There was a uh, an episode of South Park not terribly long ago that used this, and I was like, "Oh my god, I had forgotten what an awesome theme this is!" And it was the theme to Buck Rogers in the 25th century. That yep. whole da da da. That's Stu Phillips, too. I love that, man. That, that show yeah. might have kind of sucked after the original movie, but that theme was great, man. I mean, that was just a really classic theme. I really liked that. And this is where I thought Mark was going with, uh, with the Henry Mancini, but uh, Peter Gunn. Yeah, yeah, another bum, show bum, I don't bum, think bum, I bum. ever saw an episode of, but, but yep, just a same great here. theme. It's on my list, and, uh, too. You know, that one is, uh, is another one that was on the uh, in the Blues Brothers soundtrack. Yep. Um, that was just awesome to, you know, pump it up in your car and drive around, you know, with Peter Gunn and Ride, you know, in the, in the car stereo. I used to love to do that back in the day. And uh, that's my next three. All right, we're back to Mark. 
All right. Well, if you um, will indulge me to run off maybe like four or five at once sure. here, because sure. um, I've got a group. Um, you know, you're talking about The Incredible Hulk and how we haven't mentioned it yet. And there's an actual – when you're talking about TV themes, um, a lot of people are immediately going to think of Mike Post. I mean, he – his name was over all kinds of TV show themes. Yep. Um, and he's like probably the number one TV show theme composer. Exactly. So my list of a, a group here that all are my post are um, the Greatest American Hero. Oh. The eight. Yeah, believe it or not. Yeah, oh, Mark. I forgot all about that. Then you got the A Team. That's Mike Post. Uh-huh. Yeah, that was a show that uh, that right up there. I'll just mention it real quick. Like Lois and Clark. Fucking hated that show, hated the A team, but the themes were awesome. And uh, yeah. ne- never liked that show. Um, but then you got Hill Street Blues is Mike Post. Um, you've got Doogie Hauser, MD, is Mike Post. Um, and Quantum Leap is Mike Post. And those are all some of my favorite Mike Post themes from television shows. So, there, I just left like, like five right there. Yeah. I would have put if I would have remembered Greatest American Hero, I would have put that up in a second. And my next, my next three are Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea by Paul Sautel, and they they used to play that on the Canadian station when I was a little little kid, and that's what I remember most about it is this big sweeping string theme. It reminded me a lot of, well, actually, um, the Black Hole main theme came afterwards, but they're very similar, as you know, they're just sort of, sort of this grand string sort of thing the sec- the second one I got there is uh, one that Mark already mentioned which is uh, MASH and then I've got uh, Hawaii Five O. another another one that I don't really remember like I don't remember ever watching the show when I was a kid but I remember always hearing the sound you know the, uh, having the theme song and all the images of, you know, the people surfing, you know, the whole opening sequence is burned into my mind from when I was a little kid, from when I'd watch it, but I don't remember anything about the show. I'm sure I watched Book'em, it. Bookum Dano is the only thing I remember from that I show. Only, I only know that by other people saying that, you know, and uh, so, um, yeah, that, and that's, that's my third one. Cool. So Is it back, back to, to me you. again? That's back to you. Okay, I'm, I, I think I can pretty much rattle off the rest of my list here real, real quick. Um, going way back, this isn't so much a TV show, but it, you could only see it on TV, so I guess it counts. But do you guys remember the old, original, long opening to when a when an HBO movie would oh, yeah. start? It'd be like in that apartment window. Oh, I love hand, that. Pack, hand through that whole model scene yes. and go big chrome hbo sign that would tilt around and oh, you'd yeah. go into the o and all that man i love that and i miss that i wish they still i mean it's so fucking cheesy 80s but it's it's awesome oh, it's you know? good they you still use it every now and then i've noticed oh do they really yeah, yeah what how did you know it was like yeah, I, I really, I did like that. That was back when HBO was just, see, you know. Well, that reminds they, me, you see, that reminds me of being over at Scott's house when we were kids. Like, I never had, oh, I never had HBO, like, at our, at, when I was a kid. We never had, we either lived too far out in the country to get cable at all, 
or when we moved into the city, we never got like the premium stuff. So whenever I was, like, I was either at my grandfather's or at Scott's house. And when I was at Scott's, and I'd be like staying overnight when we were kids. That's what we would be watching, like Star Trek Two on HBO. And yeah, the anticipation when you'd be hearing that. You know, that was when it was actually kind of a big deal to be watching a movie uncut on TV. It was very, mm-hmm. ex- it was very exciting. A couple other quick ones. Um, you mentioned the Adams family, and I like that one, and I like the show better. But the theme to the monsters was awesome. You know that it was just I don't know it's just cooler somehow I really like that one but I think the Adams Family was the better show of the two um, this is another one similar to Disneyland that you know of course I, I don't remember ever watching the show it was probably more than likely before my time but I've come to really enjoy it in, in retrospect is the wonderful world of color I just really like the song that, that accompanies it it's kind of kind of cheesy but it's just it's just a cute little song i like it and uh uh hand in hand here is both the muppet show ah yeah even though i guess you could call it a a kid's show or not necessarily saturday morning but maybe it belong better in their sequel show but anyway sesame street both those you know kind of together the muppet and sesame street Man, really, just th- those really evoke memories. You know, those those are really uh, well, that just ones reminds that me of one that back. I didn't think of, which is the Electric Company, which was had great yeah, and great music in it. And along the lines of uh, what was it you just mentioned? Oh, Hawaii Hawaii Five O. I really remember ever seeing it. I don't remember ever seeing Get Smart. Oh yeah, the opening was cool. And and the oh, yeah. recent that they did with uh, Carell, Steve Carell, they used that theme and kind of made like a like a modern like rock version. And it was really cool, man. That's yeah. a good soundtrack. I mean, the movie was good and everything too, but that that's a neat little catchy theme. I like that one. Yep. And then um, I'm not a fan of, of any of these particularly, but I thought I'd mention them because I, I put this question to my wife too. You know, what what, what were some of her favorites? And a couple I remember her mentioning were, were definitely the Waltons. I think that's her very favorite show. And I that's Jerry Goldsmith. I'm just crossing that off on mine now. Yeah, that was yeah. that was one of mine on my list. Da-da-da-da-da. Never a fan. Da-da-da. If it's on now and she's watching it, more than likely I'll find myself sucked in. But I was never a fan. But I do like that piece of music. I mean, it's not my favorite or anything, but it is a nice little piece of music. That brings me and back to being a kid all the time when I hear it. Another one of hers you know, that's way up on her list because she is a big fan of this one. And, and it's one of those that's like, you, you got to give it its props and all that, but it's still, to me, very cringeworthy is the Brady Punch. Oh, but it is, a, it is catchy and all, and you got to give it its That's due. one of those every, songs that every, every generation knows. I don't remember her saying this one to me in particular, but I know this is another show that she's a big fan of, so I can't imagine this wouldn't be on her personal list. But uh, Little House on the Prairie, as much as I never liked that show, man, you knew what the hell was on when you heard that music. You know, if you could be in another room of your house and hear... And you knew just what was coming on TV. And And then it had a really distinctive end theme to it, too. I remember. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Where she was... It was like like a fight 
Yeah, the daughter was like running through a like running through a field and falling down and just sort of jumping around in a field. You know, the two little girls were just sort of, and it was just sort of this carefree music at the end. I used to and watch guys, the Waltons all the time when I was a kid. Do you guys remember this show? Oh my God, this show is awful. It sucks so bad, but it actually has a pretty cool theme to it. Was the uh, the short lived Superboy live action show from like the late '80's, early '90's? Do you oh, remember, guys? Remember that show? I don't remember. I think that at all. I think it filmed down at uh, down in uh, Disney, didn't it, Mark? If you watch the first season, you can even see like the monorail track in the background of some like they're supposed to mill these woods, but you oh. see the, the monorail pylon in the background. <laughs> well, I'm gonna have to watch for that. Now I'm gonna have to watch some of that and see if I can spot it. But yeah, the show. But I think it's I, Kevin Keener did the the theme song for it. I think the. Uh, it could be. Yeah, I've I've seen a handful of episodes and, and thought the show was just abysmal, but the, the theme is actually kind of catchy. You know, it it's like a. I don't really think it uses any of the of the John Williams stuff. It doesn't. But it, no. it, it kind of play, in a strange way. It almost pays homage. It's almost like a mixture of like '80s standard TV theme fare mixed with like trying to sound John Williams triumphant. You know what I yes, mean? So it's it a is. strange yep. hybrid. But yeah, it, it's catchy. It, it's a it was a catchy little little piece of music. That's uh, that's pretty much all I got, fellas. What do you guys still got? I got three more, and then I think we'll let Mark, even though it's Mark's turn, I'll just rifle <laughs> off my last three, and we'll let Mark uh, run through the probably 70 or 80 he's got left. <laughs> I've got, I, I had a, more than three, but then, Scott, you mentioned the Waltons, so that sort of got that out of the way. And uh, um, one was Mork and Mindy. I, really I have Mork and Mindy. Um, F Troop. I love that. And I don't know, and I don't know who wrote Mork and Mindy. I don't know who did the music to F Troop. Uh, Mork and Mindy is Perry Botkin Jr. And uh, Space 1999. Uh huh. Was another one. That, it's got chanky chanky guitar. It's got this weird like echoey <laughs> guitar sort of thing that happens in it. That's so. really cool. But that's my last three right there. So it was Mark and Mindy, and what were the other two? Um, F Troop. Oh, Space F Troop. 1999. Gotcha. Uh, all right, well, here's um, the end of my list. Um, I've got a couple of John Williams that have to be mentioned. And the funny thing is, is I guess you can kind of think of them as like The Price is Right, but you don't really think of them as a TV show theme. However, the uh, theme for the NBC Nightly News, everyone knows oh, that. Oh, yeah. Bum, 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 bum. Yeah. That's John Williams. Um, and then, oddly enough, I never thought of this as a TV theme, but when I was looking on the internet doing research, um, this was on a lot of people's lists. And I thought about it. I'm like, you know what? It is. It was only it was written just for TV, and it's been used ever since 1984 for every single Olympics. Yep. And it's John Williams' Olympic fanfare and theme that he wrote for the 84 Olympic Games. Um, so those are my two You're John right. Williams that I thought were worth mentioning. Um, and then... I've got Stargate Atlantis by Joel Goldsmith, um, which is Jerry's son. I didn't include the original Stargate, even though I think it's a great theme because it's just the theme from the movie. And we're just talking about TV themes that you know are original. So, um, But Stargate Atlantis is an original piece of music written by Joel Goldsmith. Um, and then Voyager by Jerry Goldsmith. 
Um, I have the X Files by Mark Snow. I thought oh, was really good. Yeah. Um, let's see. I talked those. The, um, here's an old classic. You were talking about some, you know, classics that uh, you know you kind of pay homage to, but uh, no one else mentioned this. The Andy Griffith Show. Uh, everyone oh. whistles that theme song. Oh. Sorry. And that's that's by the Earl Hagen. I know the words yep, to that one too. Oh yeah, you Why do. Don't you pull How does it go? Down your fishing pole, and I'll meet you at the fishing hole. Chris, I can't think of a better way to spend a summer day. <laughs> Whether of, it's hot. Speaking of knowing all the words, I can't believe that you left Enterprise out, man. Isn't that one of your favorites? Oh, I love that oh. song. That song's fucking awesome. <laughs> Thanks for reminding me about that one. <laughs> Mr. It's been a long road. Oh. Yeah, oh. that was really disappointing for me too when I saw that. That disappointment doesn't even. It's been a long good. time. I really like. You know, I'd missed. You know, my time I was finally here. Oh, your time's finally here. All right. I remember like waiting. <laughs> and I can see my dream come Missing it on TV, and I was very like intrigued about the whole idea, and very open to like excited to see it. And I, and I put it on, and that started happening, and I just, I, I was speechless. I was like, it was Gene Roddenberry, he was dead by then, wasn't he? Cause that's yeah, he how, didn't, it was a Diane, it's a Diane Warren song. If he hadn't been, that song probably would have done it. That's because, because you know, okay, I, I can forgive TV shows for having a song that's, you know, for the most part kind of sucks because it is so sounds of the time period that it's in it you know you get that you know like songs that sound really 70s or whatever that one just has that 90s sound to it and it's just that's not star trek music is supposed to be timeless it's not but you're not supposed to be able to put your finger on that's why there isn't any start you know even when there is a bass guitar in, in Star Trek it being plucked but it's in a very weird you know it has nothing to really make it sound like a rock and roll thing or uh, it never had any 60s 70s chanka chank shanka 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 porno guitar in it like a lot of shows did like Space 1999 sort of did and, and I think it benefits for that it makes it more timeless you know and that was and that was the point where that stopped happening. It just and and I remember watching the first episode and being like, ah, oh, it's not a bad show, but I just couldn't give up, get over the fact that when they that who how that decision got made and if yeah. Roddenberry was alive, that decision would not have gotten made. It was just and I'm not one I'm not one to like forgive me Scott to get super nitpicky and like passionate about stuff like that. And come to think of it, you're the one who brought this up, so you're just starting trouble. <laughs> and um, he's gonna be playing the underscore for this the whole time. Of course, of course, he always does. It's always boiling underneath me, you know, to ra- feel my rage. It. I'm gonna sing it. We've already sung it. God. It's just yeah. It's just it's just such bad judgment, and and I can't. And it, it it's you know I'm the, I usually don't speak in these terms, but it's like spitting on the fran. It's like spitting on it. It's just like completely saying, let's make this decision because we think it's somewhat. And the thing about it is, 
it wasn't even like let's make this because it's profitable to play this music. That music was sort of like five years, six years old. You know, it was already yeah, it's like an older dated. song. That, right. And it, and it just ha- it sounded like that. It sounded like a leftover from that, from the you know grungy Eddie Vedder type vocals. It just sounded like. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, okay, maybe it was trying to make it see. I don't know what it was trying to do. I just it had it had the sting of a deal. Somebody making it, you know, getting it, you know. Listen, we're not going to fund this unless you let my, you know, grandson write the music to it. Yeah, right. Or something, or something like that. Well, we're not, you know, we're not going to put this together unless we include these guys in the deal too. We're trying to get, promote them, and they're big fans of Star Trek too. They'd love to do. You know, Chris, you're letting perfect. Scott push your buttons here. Yeah, I am. I have to <laughs> take control of the situation and, and uh, put that behind me. And 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 I gotta say, it wasn't even on any of the list. And why are you bringing it up, troublemaker? <laughs> All right, if you're so to bring finish it up, the... put it on your list, man. Commit. Put it on your list. Do so it, to I finish it you. out, I um, and no, it did not Sorry. make my list. <laughs> oh, not you, Scott. If he's going to bring it up, he better put it on his list. <laughs> um, the only song or the only um, theme that made it on my list that actually has lyrics to it is um, the theme song from Cheers. That that always was a good uh, oh, theme yeah. for that show, I thought. Um, but then I have Tales from the Crypt by Elfman. Uh, I have Saint Elsewhere by Dave Grusin. Um, the West Wing by W.G. Snuffy Walden. Um, Night Rider by Stu Phillips. Oh, that's another classic. Yep. Um, the Scarecrow and Mrs. King by Arthur P. Uh, Arthur B. Rubenstein. Um, the Father Dowling Mysteries by Dick the Benedictus, who also did Matlock, which is also on my list. Um, and then MacGyver. I thought that was a great theme for MacGyver by Randy Edelman. And then The Tomorrow People by Dudley Simpson. And then the last one is Benson by George Allison Tipton. Oh my god, I forgot about Benson. Yeah, that is a good one. You used to always watch that show at 11.30 night after the news. They would play Benson on TV. Uh, one last one I thought of, and I don't know if you guys would know... I, I'm, I'm doing a quick YouTube search and coming up totally dry on this. I think it was ABC... But when they used to do the movie, it was like, I don't know if it was movie of the week or the Monday yep. night movie, whatever the yep. hell it was. But it would start out and it would be stars. And they would change. CBS, wasn't it? No, not, not that one. Not that one. That's CBS. But no, this one started out and it was like, and it was it was either NBC or ABC, and I can't remember. But for years, it was that theme. It was whatever. I, I remember played that Superman one. the movie, right? I don't. I don't know the one I remember it most. Well, I remember two of them with with that opening was when Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan came to TV. It had that opening because they played their opening, and then there was they had their regular announcer did like the you know tonight. You know, Captain Kirk faces blah blah blah, and they did the little thing, and then it would go into the movie, and they did the same thing, and I can, God, I, it's right on the tip of my brain what the what the thing was. They did that that opening, 
Then they had their announcer, and it was for the world premiere of Encounter at Farpoint, the first uh, Next Generation. And it said, tonight, the 24th, 24th century, century begins. begins. And you hear Captain Picard go, welcome, welcome to the Enterprise. Enterprise. It says, you know, 78 years have passed since the days of the original uh, Enterprise and an all-new crew. And I can't remember the rest of it. I should remember all of it because I watched the fucking thing until the tape wore out. But... I can just remember that opening. I just, what the hell channel was that? Was it ABC or NBC? I just can't remember. But hmm, yeah, they used neither. that same opening for years, and that was one of those that always kind of pushed the buttons too. Because up until you knew what the movie was, it was great because it just had that 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 opener that got you so excited, and then it would turn out to be like, I don't know, some crap movie that you could care about you know but for a minute anyway it got you going because you know that 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 opener was just used for so many great movies that they that they used to show i thought i just thought of three more Uh uh-oh different strokes god Um, one day at a time facts of life and and, all the facts of life oh my god that's another one and ma okay now Now and then different. there's mom. Yeah, scrape the like, bottom of the pit like it or not, but that's a song that's and yeah, we're moving on. Right. Oh, the Jeffersons. Jefferson. Yeah, that's a huge classic. Well, man. There, there's all kinds of classics that we haven't mentioned. I'm, yeah, they can just well, go know, on and on and on and on and on. I never liked the show, but the but the the song to it now that I know you know now that I've I've really paid attention to the lyrics and understand. The uh, the sentiment behind it is the is the opening to uh, uh, All in the Family where they're singing at the piano. I actually oh, yeah. like I definitely like the show. That's a great one. I like the show too. Yeah. Well, do you want to hear what uh, Entertainment Weekly said of the top twenty five TV themes? Absolutely. I know one. I can say. Can I guess one that we've all missed? That, sure. That, that I imagine has got to be on there is I Love Lucy. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I don't think it's on here. Ooh. But, yes, you're right. I would really? oh, I would have bet it would have been on there because that's just sort of always acknowledged as in classic TV anything. Starting at number 25 and going up to number one, we have oh, Moonlighting. Then we have Ali McBeal. Oh, my God. Did you say we're going in reverse order, 25 yes. to 1? Oh, okay. Yes. Then Saved by the Bell. Oh! Then Seinfeld. Oh, right. Then Dawson's Creek. And then this weird show, Pee Wee's Playhouse. (laughs) (laughs) Then Twin Peaks. Then Survivor. Then King of the Hill. Oh, yes, that is a good one. Oh my God, yeah. I forgot Beavis and Butthead. I love the opening to Beavis and Butthead. That's and a we're great moving movie. on. It's <laughs> all right. <laughs> the Wire. Beverly Hills 90210. The Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Friday Night Lights. Northern Exposure. Rescue Me. I've never even heard of that. Rescue Me. Dennis Leary's show. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I have. Okay, I have heard of it. Charles in Charge. Oh, yeah. Law and Order, which I think that might be a Mike Post. I'm not sure. Sex in the City. The Simpsons. It's Gary Shandling's show. The O.C. 
The Sopranos, Miami Vice, Friends, and then number one is The A-Team. Wow. I don't think a single thing of my list made that list at all. That's pathetic. Wow. What? Who, now, what list was this? This is Entertainment Weekly's Top 25 oh, okay. New so, Classic TV Theme Songs. Oh, new classic. Like, okay. uh, uh, well, but it, it doesn't say. I mean, there's some old ones on here. Miami Vice. Yeah. Um, Moonlighting. Was it like a Reader's some, poll or something? It, it, it doesn't. doesn't I, say. I was trying to... Um, it just says, let's see, shows that announce their great greatest right from the opening credits include Friends, The Sopranos, The O.C., and more. It uh, it doesn't say where it came from. I was trying to get a good list off because um, there is no AFI because that's for films. Um, and I thought, you know, Internet Weekly would be the closest thing that I could find as a overall list yeah. to go of. Like, there was a couple that, like, stood out there, like Gary, like Gary Shandling. That was a great theme. This is a theme to Gary show. The yes. Theme to Gary theme show. To Gary show. Yep. Yeah, like, the opening theme so far or something But like some that. cars are on here. Right, like, gonna... we mentioned we mentioned the A-team. Uh-huh. But Seinfeld um, was something we probably should have, even though, like, whether we're fans or not, that's, like, a really... The music to that's very iconic and... Is and Dawson's Creek had that song that was very famous. Yeah. I don't want to wait. Here, here, I found that, that theme I was talking about. Here it is, right here. Oh, for the ABC movie? Yeah. The popcorn you're eating has been pissed in. <laughs> yeah. 11. Stop singing. I'm trying to listen to it. This is it. This is it. This is it. Oh, really? It's exactly like I said it was to listen to this. This is cool. Don LaFontaine doing the voice. Special world premiere movie. But this wasn't on ABC at the beginning. It was on... Um, well, I think it was... Um, I think it was syndicated. It was on UPN. Yeah, it was syndicated, yeah. I think it could be on whatever local. Yeah, it was it was syndicated. You're right. So whoever bought it. Brilliant son Wesley. And a droid. I like the way he says that. Shields and deflectors up, sir. Go to yellow alert. Their first mission: investigate a new star base on planet Denim Four. She dies. To return to thy known solar system immediately. A hostile alien threatens the crew. Now go back. Well, thou shalt most certainly Comes back die, briefly. But they're determined to finish like their mission. I think like two seasons later. I need to rent Voyager on DVD and watch it because I never saw any of the Voyager episodes. Voyager is well worth watching. Don't let because he uh, he shows up on it. Doesn't doesn't Q come onto that show too? Yep, he does. Did he ever make it onto? Um, he was on all. What was the other one? The one that everyone hated, Deep Space Nine. Yep. And that episode sucks, but yeah, he did. He made it onto all of them, except maybe, I don't think he was ever on Enterprise. I haven't finished Enterprise yet. No, he wouldn't be on Enterprise. Enterprise took place early, so he never made it. You would think so, but the Borg are on it, and so are the Ferengi, so, you know. 
that was part of my problem with that show. But, but uh, yeah, Voyager. All right, here's the here's the deal with Voyager. Is the first first three seasons are really hit and miss. You, you gotta you gotta stick with it. But once seven comes to the show, and see, this is what's ironic is I watched that show religiously through the first three seasons, and then seven came on. And I thought, you know what? They're bringing here, her on this show just for tits. That's the only reason that this woman's on here. I'm, I'm done with this show. I'd stuck with it for three seasons. It's not been very good, and I'm done. And like a dumbass, I quit the show. That's when it gets good. She's, she is there. I mean, she is a gorgeous woman to look at, but she actually is turns out to be a great character, and I should have stuck with it longer because once she comes on that show, it, it just all of a sudden it became really, really good. She, she's definitely worth, uh, you know, as a character, I mean, she's, she's worth sticking with it. That, that's a good show. But you just got to kind of, you got to kind of wade through that, those first three seasons. All right. So uh, I guess we'll kind of wrap this up. We've gone through a, a whole ton of TV shows, and I'm sure there's people out there who will be able to name a lot more who are very angry that we didn't name their favorite show. So feel free to... Uh, <laughs> to tell us all about it but uh, until next time when we're talking about some more soundtracks uh, yeah we'll see you then thanks thanks Mark for coming on and using your your incredibly huge brain to uh, put Scott and I to shame <laughs> thanks for the invite I had another great time guys thanks oh we'll have you back we've got we've absolutely got more work for you to do <laughs> yeah I wanted to uh, I wanted to mention that yeah definitely uh, I'll, I'll just tease it I don't know when, I don't know how, but we will come back for another round with Mark, and we'll next time we will tackle our top five favorite cartoon slash Saturday morning TV show yeah, themes. It'll give, so. it, it'll give us some more time to figure out new ways to uh, insult Mark's sensibilities. And <laughs> <laughs> I want to find the top five you things Mark actually hate. Usually does it. Well, and just to piss you off, Scott, now I'm off to Disneyland. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, maybe we won't have Mark back. <laughs> we'll do a live. We'll do a live feed from Disneyland and really listen. To oh, Scott there you go. Moan. Yeah. I'll have my computer go. with me. I can piss and moan the whole episode. Yeah. That'll be awesome. We've never had that yeah, before. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, thanks very much for joining us, Mark. I'm sorry we kept you up so late, but yeah, this has been an absolute blast, and uh, you're 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 always welcome yeah. on our show. I think it's a follow-up to our last soundtrack show yep thanks guys hope you have a great night visit our website at two truefreaks.libsen.com where you can download all of our episodes and find our forum to openly and freely discuss topics from this and all other episodes with us and your fellow listeners two truefreaks.libsen.com is spelled t-w-o-t-r-u-e F-R-E-A-K-S dot Libsyn, which is L-I-B-S-Y-N dot com. You can email us directly at two true freaks at gmail.com. And thanks for listening to the Two True Freaks podcast. The Two True Freaks now have a phone line where you can call and leave a completely inappropriate message. Maybe we'll even use it on the show. That number is 1585-COP-LURE. That's 1585-267-267. 5873. If you enjoyed this show, why not review us in iTunes? And if you didn't enjoy this show, why not review us in iTunes? Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, 
Visit comicbooknoise.com slash league. Future Freaks has been brought to you today by Damanzo Corps of Milan, Italy, and by the letters F and U. Now, Fru, I will render Enterprise one more time. Please, not again. It's been a long road Getting from there to here It's been a long time my time is finally I will see my dream come alive at night I will touch the sky And we're not gonna hold me down no more